0: I promise this won't take long. Take this knife. Give the paintings in the gallery a good slashing. Don't get caught. And don't turn it into a massacre. And steal the charity box, would you? Buy yourself something velvet.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Squares. Welcome to another uh, Square Waves F- F- Square Wave FM podcast. Today is episode thirty-six. Woo! 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 <laughs> and we're discussing scary games. The scary part being subjective, since we couldn't quite decide on our own definition of what constituted scary. Joining good. us today, we have Akago. Say hi to the nice hi. people. Very good.
2: I'm um, here for the third time. Yay!
3: yay.
1: <laughs> Great, and I'm your I'm one of two hosts. I'm Bianca, and with me is the most useless person in the world, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: hi. <laughs> it's an honor. Mm.
1: He was- lost his right this week as uh, the, as the breakfast guy. When I figured when I, after I after I successfully made scrambled and eggs omelets and my own little uh, egg pancake. Oh,
0: shit, dude! See, there's only like two things that I'm good at making. Uh, Scrambled eggs and hamburgers. And now she makes scrambled eggs better than I do, so my my usefulness on this earth is quickly waning.
2: That's more than I can do. I'm pretty much useless without a microwave or an oven.
0: Yeah, it's, that's that's just about where I'm at. <laughs> oh well. Uh thank you, thank you, Bianca, for that lovely intro. So oh, you're c-
1: very welcome, darling. It's one. Oh. <laughs> Mine, best
0: yeah,
2: uh, uh. <laughs> So you should get a room, you two. Oh, we're in a room. Wait.
1: Yeah. Oh, score. <laughs> cool. Except if we try anything, the chair would break.
0: Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's try to keep this podcast rated R, shall we? <laughs> so sorry, the, uh, sorry for missing our show last week, folks. What were we doing? Oh my gosh, we were drinking and drinking and drinking last week.
1: Well, some of us drank more than others. I exercised pretty good self-control. Yeah, you did. And oh. then you decided you wanted to play keep up with the cousins.
0: Well, and I seem to recall you passing your beer to me to finish.
1: That's true. I gave you I mean, – well, <laughs> I don't like Steam Whistle that much. I like the unfiltered, but I don't like their uh, filtered one that they uh, mass-produced for uh, Lickbo and the rest of the
0: country. Lickbo. Why don't we back it up and, and describe <laughs> what we did last weekend?
1: Okay, so yeah. – Two of my – so my cousin and her fiancé were visiting us.
0: From Ottawa, yeah. which is a five-hour drive or so away?
1: It's about four and a half hours. They came in by train. So we picked them up from uh, downtown Toronto, brought them back here. They stayed with us the first night because apparently my cousin didn't book book the hotel in advance and managed to only get one night. Well,
0: there was a big thing going on in downtown that night, so I think hotels probably filled up with out of towners, uh
1: yeah, but it wasn't that, but she actually didn't book me. she told me she hadn't booked it when I spoke to her like half a week before they were supposed to arrive. well that too she hadn't even bought her tickets,
0: right, okay, well, that too,
1: <laughs> so she so they crashed on our couch Couches. anyway, so our our uh, weekend involved a tour of the steam Whistle brewery, which is in downtown Toronto in the vicinity of Ripley's Aquarium and the Skydome. Ripley's?
0: Really? Ripley's, as in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, oh, okay. they... I thought, they I thought it was that. They have this gigantic aquarium downtown. I, uh, Bianca and I haven't been, but my parents went with one of my little nephews. And, and another and, a,
1: and my best friend.
0: Didn't your dad go too?
1: No, my dad hasn't gone, but a best fr- my best friend in, from Ottawa has been, and he uh, says it's a really nice experience, and I get the feeling he's not much for... Um, it's just touristy stuff, but he seemed to enjoy it. Hmm. Usually, he doesn't like doing stuff that requires a lot of walking.
0: True. Uh, plus, he's kind of an academic too. So, if he enjoyed it, then it must be a worthwhile. Yes, it is. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a really, like really fancy, diverse, beautiful aquarium, but it's like hella expensive. So, maybe if we were tourists, we would do it too. But mm-hmm. when you live here, it's kind of hard to justify, especially when that's only one thing you do. Yeah. So we went
1: the steam whistle which is easy to justify at ten dollars a person which was remarkable for us.
0: Oh yeah we went on the tour which was a lot of fun.
1: Yes and what surprised me is some um, it's like some tourists are like okay we're gonna come here and we're gonna drag our ten year old daughter along.
0: Yeah right to a brewery <laughs> so the parents uh, are like walking around with beers in their hands and the children are just kinda I don't know. It's
1: just this like one girl and she just looks like why am I here?
0: <laughs> kind of. It was a fun little tour though. Yeah,
1: but we got glass soup in your glasses.
0: Oh yeah we did. And we drank definitely more than ten bucks worth of beer. It was if you come to Toronto, do do tour the Steam Whistle Brewery. It's a little privately owned brewery, and they were they seem like a nice, happy family there. And for the ten dollars it costs for the tour, you you get nice and uh, lubricated.
1: Yeah, and it's actually seems to be one of the few uh, independents left after Mill Street was bought out by Labatt.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's another big Torontonian independent beer was just bought out this weekend. No, it
2: uh, sounds like you had a lot of fun, but unfortunately, I'm not of a uh, not much of a beer drinker myself.
0: Oh, too bad! You're in a good city for that.
1: Yeah, you are. You got the good. You got the good stuff.
0: Yeah, you have Amstel and Amsterdam and Heineken. We toured the Heineken brewery when we visited.
1: Yeah, eight years Amsterdam. Ago. That was awesome.
0: That was a lot of fun. That was a great tour. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah.
1: Although it's better for other stuff, particularly the. Coffee shops. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the coffee shops had their own allure, didn't they? Yes. (laughs) I think we almost had a coffee in one once. I
1: know. Imagine that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that was – I'd say it was an unforgettable uh, honeymoon, but we probably forgot a lot of it.
1: Which is a good thing why we kept notebooks. (laughs) Yes, yes. And you copied most of
0: mine. No, I didn't. Yes,
1: you did. You're like, what are we doing? like? let me see your notebook. Well, I was, it was just being in class with the.
0: I was just apprehensive the about dangerizer. starting. I was apprehensive about starting, and once I did, I was happy that you encouraged me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Then we walked around something called the Distillery District, which was not <clears> too close, but and it was still close enough that we could just hop into a an Uber cab. I don't know if you guys have uber overseas yet but they're a great share ride
0: company you're right sharing yeah do you do you have the uber cab company in uh in uh, the netherlands
2: never heard of them we mm. mostly have our own small companies all over the
0: place ah uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of a contentious uh situation in north america uber right now they're a company that they proclaim that they just make an app and it's an app for people who own cars and an app for people who want to go from one place to another. So they're oh, sort of yeah. they're sort of like a taxi dispatcher, but they say they don't own any cars and they don't give any licenses. So they're not really a taxi. All they do is just find people with cars and other people who want to go somewhere. So Basically yeah. they're the equivalent they're,
1: they're, of Pirate Bay, who say that they're not they only provide the uh, torrent like they don't actually link to the they don't actually provide the pirated material. I guess
0: so. That's not a bad. So
1: they're basically like the equivalent of a torrent site except this is actually this is more more legal than that. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're a facilitator. Well, the legality is being debated right now because of course the licensed taxi drivers hate Uber because anyone can be a driver. for Yeah. Uber.
2: Th- there has actually been a lot of uh, controversy about that uh, a while ago here as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I know I, that you were interested uh, for a while in becoming a taxi driver, so I don't know if that's... I, I, I still am. I'm still looking for work, but there's not a whole lot on offer as it is, so... I actually had
2: an interview at a local company a while ago, and it seemed like uh, they were interested, but I never heard back from them, so... Mm, it's a shame. Just gotta keep looking.
0: Well, if it's anything like it is here, there's a very limited, finite number of licenses they give out, and so there's a lot of competition to drive...
2: Well, I have a license. I just uh,
0: haven't found a company to work for yet. Oh, not just a driver's license, but a taxi license. They're like questioned yeah. out by the. Oh, so do you have yeah. a taxi driver license? Yeah. Oh, so that's like the biggest hurdle that you're over. What is? She... Well, you'll get there. That's that's not an easy thing to get. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Thanks. Okay.
1: So uh, from so basically, we drank. And,
0: Basically, and, we drank. That's a good summary of our, our whole weekend.
1: Except, and then in the end of the day, we came back and we played games. We actually got the uh, two cousins to play a bunch of uh, the games from the Jackbox Party Box.
0: Yeah, that's right,
3: Jackbox oh, games. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Formerly Jellyvision, who made the You Don't Know Jack games. They make some fantastic, like local. I guess those were local uh, multiplayer games as well. Yeah, but they still they still make those. That's their specialty. Yeah, th- those games just seem like uh, a
2: lot of fun if you have uh, a bunch of uh, like-minded friends to play them with.
0: They really were, and what was really amazing is they're not really gamers, although I'll give them credit. Uh, the last time they came over to our house, they noticed uh, Gabriel Knight's uh, mm. novel on my bookshelf, oh, wow. and one of them recognized that. So that really impressed me. Oh.
1: they uh, And nice. I know that one of them had, I think it was, yeah... Hmm. yeah i forget which one it was but yeah they were going out she wanted to go out of her way to actually find the game much to the dismay of the other who's like it's expensive why are you
0: doing this oh really we should oh oh, you mean which which game gabriel knight or the Jackbox? oh yeah they
1: wanted the they wanted the gabriel they wanted the dos version
0: oh we should treat them to a version on gog it's like six bucks Mm -hmm. well we'll buy it for them But, yeah, so the nice thing about the Jackbox games, like the Jackbox Party Pack or Quiplash, is that they're really accessible to people who might not otherwise like video games. It's kind of like participating in a game show. So they loved it. Mm -hmm. We must have played it for, like, a good four hours or something over the course of the weekend, which is great. It was so much fun.
1: Yeah, we did Quiplash, Drawful, (laughs) Uh, and... uh,
0: A whole bunch of them. We We played almost every single one of the games. Yeah. There's six of them or so? Yep. Which was great, although one of them is not a native English speaker, so she had a little bit of trouble with some of the wordier games.
1: Yeah, so she had oh, trouble. Oh, she's
0: with,
2: uh, Canadian French.
0: Yes. yes, Quebecois. That's right. I see. Yeah, so she speaks English very well, but she, it couldn't read quickly enough to kind of get some of the references or the colloquialisms. Uh, yeah. So it's cool.
1: Yeah. So, but she did, but she did, but she did well at uh, Quiplash, which does have, which has a decent timer on it. So you're, so even if so as long as you're, you know, able to read, but you don't need to, you know, buzz in within 10 seconds, you're fine.
0: Right. Yeah, that was a nice thing, actually, because those games, the, um, they learned very quickly that people weren't just playing them for local co-op. They were also streaming them on Twitch and playing with strangers on the Internet. And uh, Twitch has, depending on beep, beep, depending on which... Uh, Kind of depending on what kind of a toggle you have selected on your Twitch account, the lag is either fifteen or thirty seconds. Yeah. So the Jackbox people added a Twitch mode that just makes all the counters take way longer, so that people playing remotely aren't disadvantaged. So that's also good for someone who speaks English as a second language because it gives them more, like, less time to be stressful, more time to to adjust to it. So that worked yeah. out very well.
1: Except uh, <laughs> our second language cousin, our second yeah, second language. Uh, English speaking cousin had to get uh, the 10 second warning at 15 seconds because she kept, she kept, she missed the timer once. <laughs> right. So it was like we would tell her 10 seconds when there was actually 15 seconds left to make sure she got in on time.
0: Yeah, that's right. Ah, so it was a good time. We had fun <laughs> hanging out with them. I just never want to drink again. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> did,
1: yeah, he seriously tried to keep up with them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that.
0: I gave up on it after a while. Yeah, the two of them are hearty drinkers, <laughs> they're fishes. <laughs> That That sounds pretty awesome. It was a good time. Once in a blue moon, anyway.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. So I wanted to send a shout-out to a bunch of our podcasting friends. Mm -hmm. We have all kinds of awesome podcasting milestones to celebrate this weekend. Uh, This Yeah, weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. What day is it? Saturday. Saturday. Thank you. So... um, First and foremost, I want to give a big hello and a big congratulations to Avi Hayun, who has sent us voicemails a few times in the past. Hello, Avi. He has hello. he has a new podcast and a new website that uh, oh. they've been out for a little bit, but uh, he had asked me to uh, wait until announcing it on the podcast, just till he got it all uh, set up. So I'll put his link in the show notes, but uh, mm-hmm. it is org, where he's going to write about... DOS games and he's going to dedicate a podcast to DOS games and he's going to do it a little bit in the upper memory block style where he'll play one game and then he'll talk about it and
3: that will be
0: at Umbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's very interesting. So Social- yeah, uh, wish him luck with that. Oh yeah, me too. And he gave a very nice shout out to a bunch of our favorite podcasts and to us as well at square wave. So thank you very much, Avi. We really wish him the best of luck. He's a, a smart and well-spoken guy and English isn't his first language either, but he speaks it very well. His podcast is in English. So mm-hmm. do check out the DOS games hub and, uh, and Avi's podcast, DOSGamesHub.org. Check out the uh, show notes for a link. I also yeah. want to, I also want to congratulate uh, our very good friends, Francisco and Ben of the blue cup tools podcast for, their, uh, they they just had their 80th episode, which is one hell of a milestone. So congrats to those guys. Yes, love that podcast. So, I've been so
2: listening to the, to them for a while now. Been catching up with all their old episodes, and they talk about some really uh, in depth kind of topics regarding game development and all that. And considering I'm kind of a prospective game developer myself, uh, it's uh, very interesting and very educational.
0: Oh yeah. I love the game design stuff they talk about. I mean, they talk about playing games, and they're very silly as well, but the stuff, when it gets down to talking about game design stuff, and particularly adventure game design, like, I don't know who can give better advice than those guys. They're both very articulate and well-spoken. They've both been doing it for a decade or so. Um, They've, like, seen it all, and whenever uh, any topic is brought up, they've, like, thought about it so much that they kind of have, like, different principles that they can quote I know Ben's favorite one is that exploration is gameplay. And as a yeah. as a prospective uh, hobbyist game developer myself, that's like my favorite, probably my favorite rule. I love games where you just look around and get information about your environment and about your character just by looking around. Mm-hmm. That's what drove me into adventure games in the first place. My favorite thing to do was to look at stuff all over a room and just read the funny descriptions. Yeah, so congrats to Ben and Francisco. And hi, guys, uh, on their 80th episode and uh also celebrating their 80th episode is joe mastriani of the upper memory block umbo podcast umbo
1: <laughs> yeah you
0: were a guest on the latest news uh, oh, show that's right I, th- I if i'm not mistaken i think i'm the first guest he's ever had on his show which is such yeah. an honor so boy i, li- I actually listened to that this very morning oh that's nice oh that, that was that was really awesome to be on his show Oh yeah, um, Joe's a great guy, and we're happy to have him as a listener, and we're even happier that he's uh, got his own phenomenal podcast that has seen a lot of uh, success thanks to his yeah. his uh, uh, very intelligent and thorough reporting and also mm-hmm. his uh, nice uh, audio setup and his uh, podcasting know-how. So uh, we do wish Joe the very very best. And if you're not listening to these podcasts, uh, Blue Cup Tools podcast and the Upper Memory Block podcast. Umbo, <laughs> we must, we we will definitely put links in the show notes because if you like this podcast, you'll love theirs for sure. Yeah,
2: it's uh, definitely awesome to have people like Joe and Avi now spreading the more love for all of these older PC games that don't get as much coverage otherwise.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, how will people know? Also, shout out, of course, to Anatoly of the Dust Nostalgia podcast.
2: Yes. Cause he's he's a, another uh, good one in that regard.
0: Yes, he is. Oh, and let me see if I can pull it up. I didn't put it in my notes, but um, our uh, recent guest, uh, Tamir Gabel, there we are. Oh, um, yeah. He uh, linked a few of us podcasters, and I retweeted this as well. Um, there's, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. He tweeted us a survey sent by Jim Leonard, also known as Trickster, who, oh he's like uh, games
2: guy
0: yeah Moby games uh, and uh, he's a demo scener and uh, uh, like an old computer enthusiast yeah, and, and preservation an amazing
2: demo at
0: that <laughs> oh man yeah he's a, a serious uh seriously amazing hacker of old technology and gets old computers to do like just undreamable things which is so so cool so that that's the that's just phenomenal so he he put out a, a survey recently Um, saying that he's interested in starting a podcast himself as well as a YouTube channel and just asking people what kind of things they'd like to see if he were to do those things. So I encourage everyone here to uh, fill out his survey. And uh, it it looks like he's gotten a lot of answers already, so surely he'll proceed with it. He was a guest on Anatoly's podcast and a great guest, so, so knowledgeable. He was obviously kind of tempering and uh, uh, keeping himself from going on and on and on about every. (laughs) topic so i really can't yeah, wait to hear what he, he has to say
2: he was on there talking about uh, hardware right yes i believe so
0: it's been a while i think it was hardware
3: yeah.
2: well it's definitely going to be interesting to have him do his own show then talking about that sort of stuff would uh, would be very in- interesting uh, to listen to him go on about that absolutely really looking forward to it i think it's probably a sure thing mm-hmm. Honestly, I think oh I've like, already listen to so many different podcasts.
0: Oh, man, don't we all? I was amazed when I was chatting with uh, Joe Mastriani a few weeks ago. He subscribes to I don't know how many dozens of podcasts. I don't know <laughs> how he has the brain for this, but he listens to podcasts while he works, and he's a programmer. Like, I, I don't have the mental bandwidth to listen to, like to pay attention to someone talking while I'm doing anything that I have to focus on. I'm like a
1: you I yeah, me, bandwidth me neither. But, anything?
0: Right. Yeah, I know. See, I can I can barely tie my shoes without <laughs> forgetting to breathe. So I don't <laughs> know how I do that. <laughs> T- typically, when I listen to podcasts,
2: I'm playing something simple like you truck simulator or Spelunky uh, that doesn't tax my brain too much, so I can keep playing while I'm listening.
0: Right, that's a good way to do it, Bianca. You're yeah, not-
2: any, anything more complicated than that, and I completely zone out, and I completely miss uh, what they're saying.
0: Me too. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, Bianca, you're not much of a podcast listener, so I, I try to spare her by not playing that stuff at home. I really just listen while I'm commuting, which is probably, I don't know, it's about five hours a week or so.
1: True, but it is a good way to make your commute feel less uh, lonely, because at like you have someone talking.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like when you leave the house all day and you just leave the, you leave the TV on for the dog and the dog doesn't understand a word, but it sounds like someone's in the house. That's me while I'm commuting. <laughs> I just hear wah 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 Charlie Brown. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: you've been listening to your barbarian. (laughs) Why don't you tell everyone what you've been listening to? Or what what, uh, about your. Was that uh, Khan Academy?
1: Yes, uh, Crash Course World History, and now there's a second uh, part. Now there's a second batch of ads.
0: Just running it in the notes. Tell people about it.
1: Okay, so Crash Course World History is basically. History for Dummies is the cold notes. It's like the annotated cold notes of history for people who don't want to memorize a bunch of dates, but but want to hear all the fun stuff about history and, uh, you know, understand how we went from being a bunch of uh, hunters and gatherers to being lazy, lethargic turd sitting in front of our electronic uh, doodads all day long. (laughs)
0: okay that's your summary
1: well yeah because i mean if you're a hunter gatherer everyone's going to be picking their own food once you have farming you have someone dedicated to raising the crops you have someone dedicated to herding and uh raising animals which leaves a bunch of the people nearby you know going hey if someone else is doing all this i can now make a hammer hey look at me i made some clothing but you know what i have too much clothing Oh look, that guy has food. I'll give him some clothing, and he can give me some food. And of course, that's just uh, just an example of uh, how uh, farming liberated people to go beyond just hunting, hunting, gathering. But that's yes. essentially was the history. What basically crash course history is to show to uh, show where we came from and uh, where we're eventually supposedly heading. Because we can learn. Because what we learn from history can can give us an idea of where we may be heading in the future.
0: True enough. Yeah. So Khan Academy is an interesting like e-learning website. It's basically like going to high school, but for free in your home.
1: And for fun, yeah. because you want to do it.
0: This guy's real. What was the guy's name? Green. John Green. John Green. He he does this history stuff sort of in the style of like a zero punctuation uh, game review. It's like very fast paced and it's quite funny. And he's like super knowledgeable. Yeah, and, like and he takes has the
1: thought bubble, which highlights the history. So he, he basically skips all the mundane parts that you were forced to listen to in high school, which is which are memorizing memorizing a bunch of people, dates, and places.
0: He, right. brings, no, he, he brings, brings it alive. Doesn't yeah, he? he
1: brings it alive in a way that allows you to understand it because it's not just you know some turdwad in the middle of uh, the dark <laughs> ages decided that on this day he was going to he was going to shit his knickers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by doing this, he perpetuated the revolution of the underwear you knows.
0: <laughs> uh, is this going to be on the test?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's great.
1: But he turns it into more of a, uh, he turns it basically from a bunch of facts into something that's easily digestible and uh, more relatable. Because we can understand that, you know, in this general era, people were invaded by these people, but they didn't just—they didn't kill the civilians. Okay, that's basically what it is. And so now there's a second version of it, which looks more at like an overall arching theme. For example, um, what is civilization and how we define it?
0: Oh, is it still history, or is it like? Yeah, it
1: is history. Talk about history. But it, it's more of a general uh, – it's like this is more general themes with, with regard to history. Because when we think of civilization, we think of people coming together in an organized social or, – into an organized social uh,
0: – In order?
1: Yeah, social order. But um, – and the people who live outside of this, off the grid, are uncivilized and barbaric. What was suggested was that maybe these people aren't barbaric and they aren't uncivilized, but rather that they that, that they uh, left civilization by choice, rather than having never been exposed to civilization because they got tired of being subjected to taxes and all these other whore, and all these other things that come along with civilization. Because once you have civilization, you need to maintain it, which means you need taxes, and you and then once you have taxes, you need you. Uh, you need to end when you have money and a civilization. You're going to need an army to protect your, uh, the. I'm sorry to go on. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying for example. Okay, you you started me on this.
0: <laughs> asked you about the website, not about yeah, the history he, of mankind. kind of losing
3: me here.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he started me on this tangent. Blame sorry. him. And we, it
0: was on YouTube. Okay, but we do have our tangents around here. Well, anyway, <laughs> we will we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to Khan Academy and to this guy in particular. We had Khan
1: Academy linked last week.
0: Oh, we may have, but we'll put it again. Okay.
2: I guess this I guess this may have been the most literal case of digressing junior high.
0: Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I will I will mention our our great friend trolls uh, shortly. Um. I wanted to... Oh, just before we got too far away from our mentions of uh, Joe, I wanted to thank him for playing a voicemail of mine on his... Two shows ago when he was talking about King's Quest,
2: and... Um, uh, that what well, that was on the last show, actually, before the news show.
0: Yeah, wasn't that two shows ago?
2: No, the show... No. Pretty sure King's Quest was the show before the most recent one.
0: Oh, that's, that's, that's what I would call two shows ago myself. <laughs> anyway... Oh, recently, (laughs) recently, at at the very least, he mentioned King's Quest and I kind of mentioned that I wasn't terribly interested in it for, for various reasons, if you want to hear my voicemail, which is, of course, the reason that you would listen to Joe's show at all, then I encourage you <laughs> to check that out. I thought we would listen to <laughs> – yeah. so we can listen to his uh,
1: various witty remarks. I'm marked? being facetious. Oh, of course. You like
0: that, Anyway, I, I just wanted to uh, to uh, give Joe props for totally uh, changing my opinion. He It's pretty rare that he has, like, such unreserved, unbridled enthusiasm for – a game, especially I like definitely. an episodic I, I, game based on the first episode. So he really convinced me that it's worth worth my time. I've heard really good things about
2: the new King's Cross game, and I should check it out sometime, but I've already got so much else to play. So,
0: so have I. I bet it'll go on sale, if not like around the end of November, then I'm sure uh, around Christmas time. If, if nothing else, I'll probably pick up the
2: entire uh, collection once the, uh, all the episodes are out. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I don't know. If, I think they sell a season pass already, but I know a lot of people don't like playing an episode and waiting for the next one.
1: I'm not sure, and yeah. it's Game of Thrones, and you're desperate for some form of entertainment because the last Game of Thrones season ended, and you're desperate for the ne- for your next fix. Oh, right.
0: Well, you and I were playing Telltale's episodic games since the very beginning. We would we I bought the Sam and Max mm-hmm. uh, first two seasons while just when mm-hmm. the first episode came out, and we would play it together, and we would wait. It, back then, it was only a month or a month and a half between episodes. Now, it's closer to two or three yeah. or four, even. But, uh, they oh, them. yeah, I remember really enjoying those. Us, too. They were they were really good. They I really good. need to get back into the third season, because I never played past oh, the yeah. first episode. Oh, the third season is amazing. Really? I, me on this. That was sort of when they were changing their theme from point and click to something closer to what we have today, the Walking yeah, Dead style.
2: Yeah, well, no, no, third season is still point and click, but they changed the controls to more console style. So you yeah. use WASD to walk around, but you still point and click with the mouse to interact with things and you, you know, talk to people, solve puzzles, collect items, the usual stuff.
0: Sure. I don't know what it was about that presentation or if it was a presentation or what, but I had kind of lost patience with the, se- with the, the series after the third season, I guess. I got to get back to it because the but right... But you also uh, lost patience so good.
1: with the Monkey Island as well.
0: Yeah, I know that never. Uh, I really enjoyed Tales of Monkey Island as well. We we played it until halfway through the last episode,
1: and we never got uh. past Sponger Grande.
0: Yeah, we don't know what happened to Sponger Grande. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a shame. Someday. But
2: yeah, I, I really miss the old style uh, Telltale games. Uh, I, th- I think Simon Max Season 3 was actually the last traditional point and click adventure game uh, series they did after that. Yeah. They, they uh, did the Jurassic Park game, which started the whole trend of the more cinematic, heavy rain style uh, adventure games right. that they became uh, famous for.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. Which I'm not entirely against. It has its Me its merits. It's not necessarily or not exactly a an adventure game, yeah. but whatever it is, I like it.
1: Yeah, it's still a game. It's still interactive, and you're and you're not based and you're not completely at the mercy of uh, the AI.
0: Well, yeah, it's a game. You make choices. You just don't get stuck as much, which is what yeah. I find. Which yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind.
3: Which can be... Which I, I think be what liberating. Bianca
2: means is you're, you're not at the mercy of the design, that you have to figure out the uh, designer's logic in uh, how
0: certain puzzles make sense. To a lesser extent, at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, like, fewer opportunities for interaction, which kind of distills it down a little bit and yeah. ups the pace a little bit, and that's kind of a trend in game design in general, I would say.
1: But that's... It. I would say that's also to accommodate... Uh, gamers who want more instant gratification
0: yeah a wider a wider breadth of gamers in general i guess and not just the more hardcore fans because it's hard to make a living if all you're doing is appeasing the hardcore fans yeah
2: it's uh definitely got its place in the current market but you know i still uh like the tradition more traditional point-and-click style of adventure games as well and there's uh, still good ones of the, of that coming out too
0: Oh, very true. One of which is uh Shardlight, which is the next Wadget Eye game, uh, and that I was, have played way too
2: few games made by them.
0: Oh, they're really good se- uh, they're really good uh, studio, and Shardlight is designed by Ben Chandler and Francisco Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. they I don't know if they're the only two people working on the on the game design and the art, but I think they might be, and they just hired voice actors. that might be the only external people they've got. So,
2: yeah, I, I actually heard on their uh, recent podcast that they hired Mike Pollock, the guy who played uh, Doctor Eggman at several of the Sonic games.
0: Yeah, that's, I didn't recognize the name, but that that's a, a pretty well uh, experienced voice actor. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Those are really really like zany characters that he played too. So that'll be interesting to see how he fits in with a more yeah, serious role. Should definitely be interesting. I wonder if. Uh,
2: well, Francisco's done voice acting in previous games as well, so perhaps he, uh, he'll be in this one as well?
0: I hope so. I don't think he did any acting in his last game, A Golden Wake, which is a shame because I really like his, his voice acting. I haven't played that one yet. I have it on GOG. I really should get around to it.
1: Yeah, I have it too. I have it on Steam. I should play it as well. I
0: have a soft spot for that. I beta tested it. Mm. And then I once it came out, I think I just beta tested it once, but I did a lot of notes and I played it very carefully. And I liked it enough that as soon as it was released, I played it again. I, I like that one very, very much. It's really nice. non-standard. And it, I, I, I I think I've talked about the game on this podcast, but I'll just say briefly that it's a relatively like more mundane, down-to-earth story than you find in a lot yeah. of adventure yeah, games. Yeah, that's
2: uh, what I gathered from... Uh... How much they talked about it on the Blue Cup Tools podcast as well. Yeah,
0: which is refreshing. They really shut up
2: about it for a while. <laughs> well, understandably, because it is a very personal project for uh, Francisco.
0: I guess so. In Francisco's defense, I think they talked a little bit more about like critiquing it than advertising it. He did mention once or twice, maybe more than once or twice, to go buy the game. I'm sure the the audience of that podcast doesn't have to be encouraged to buy one of his (laughs) games anyway. Yeah. But he was humble about it, I thought. And I appreciated they did their own kind of critique of his games. And it's not all positive critique opportunities for growth and whatnot.
3: Yeah.
2: But Yeah, that's that's all a part of it. But you just got to roll with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's what gives those guys credibility. I I pretty much picked up the game because I felt obligated to get it because I listened to the podcast –
0: I know what you mean. It's not like they accept any other kind of uh, of uh, compensation for their podcast, which is <laughs> enjoyable and worthy of compensation, certainly. But uh, I, I think that they consider their primary activity to be their full-time jobs, which is working for Eye and making adventure games. So That's
1: a great job.
0: Yeah. It Thank is a great damn. job. It's a great job if you're willing to work for it. And I sure as hell am not. <laughs> but, which is
1: why you have your dead-end uh, job at
0: Yeah, it's not a dead-end job, you face. I I
2: would love to do it if I was any good at that kind of stuff.
0: Me too. I think there's a lot of risks involved. Like, if you want to work for a bigger studio, then you're probably just going to be on a contract basis because they only need whatever job you do. They'll only need it for a while, and then they lay you off, and you'll find work elsewhere. And uh, game studios tend to be very dependent on the success of their last game. If they only have one bad game, then they might have to lay off half or three-quarters of their staff. It's like a tumultuous industry to be in, and that doesn't really interest me that much. I'd rather yeah. do it as a hobby, if anything. Just when inspiration strikes me, get it out yeah.
2: there. Very true. That's why I'm kind of slowly making a start and uh, you know learning how to draw, learning how to design my own a game in AGS, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, that's great. Have you ever made a game in Twine or anything like that? Uh, no. Oh, you ever tried Twine?
2: uh that's the kind of inter- interactive fiction uh program right
3: yeah
0: choose your own adventure kind of a mm-hmm. an engine yeah it's very easy to jump in It's a great thing if you i've used it to like as a prototype for more complicated games just as like a a storyboard sort of or like a uh uh like a diagram kind mm-hmm. of it's, it's a good way to summarize what you want to do That well, sounds interesting but I,
2: uh i would just prefer to do it jump straight into AGS and uh, learn how to use that.
0: Nothing wrong yeah. with that. I've, I've had uh, two false starts on that. I really need to get yeah, back into it. Yeah,
2: you've mentioned it. It's, uh, I have messed around with it in the past, done a few small things with it, but I never got far either. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, I've been working on a kind of a design document and uh, working on making some assets in a drawing program, so Oh, that's once great. That, once that is finished, I'll try and put everything together and see how uh, that uh, works out.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you've made some interesting, like, EGA-style art, haven't you? Yeah. I love that style. You're really yeah, good at
2: that. I've been, been uh, kind of dabbling in
0: that. That would be a really fun art style, and I think it resonates well with that particular kind of game as well. That, that could be something to look forward to. Awesome. Yeah, We'll be- best but, of luck. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I ever uh, make it to that point. You and me
2: both. I think I'm on and off on it as of late, but, you know, a lot of other uh, things have been
0: occupying my uh, time as well. Of course. When the time is right. It's never too late. All right, But but it it definitely helps to
2: be around people like Francisco and Ben and uh, my good friend, Frederick, also known as Little Norwegians, who's also been very encouraging with the whole game development thing. He's a prospective develop, developer himself. Mm-hmm. He's currently working on his own uh, UND game.
3: Mm.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. I love his music, that's for sure. He's a fantastic musician. Who? Oh, wait, maybe this is a different Fred. I was thinking of Frederick Olsen. Ah. Oh, no, he's the Danish one.
2: <laughs> no, no. Uh, Little Little Norwegians, Frederick Ström. Oh,
0: not familiar with that guy. He has a raccoon for an avatar. Oh, perhaps I've seen you retweet him once or twice. Yeah. He's gotcha. he's doing the game of the little yellow dog. Oh, no, I don't know that one.
2: Well, it's on hold right now. He's going through some personal stuff at the moment, but...
0: That's too bad. It it happens. Yeah, we we talked about how uh, the two guys from Andromeda making the space venture. Uh, yeah. They're going through something similar, and they're they're backed by Kickstarter funds too. So that makes things even yeah. more stressful for them, I'm sure. But I'm glad their priorities are in order. Yeah. You always have yeah. to take care of yourself before you can before you can do a good job of taking care of anyone else.
1: Exactly. That's why they always tell you on the airplanes, put on your own mask before you secure your before you secure anybody else's.
0: You better put my mask on first
1: (laughs) Screw you, you can die before I die
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's a shame When that kind of of stuff interferes With a highly anticipated Project like that Uh, They they already took a massive hit Before when Gary Owens passed away
0: Yeah, oh, was he going to be the narrator again? Yeah, yeah.
2: What a shame. I, I was really sad of, uh, to hear that. I was really looking forward to hearing him in action again. Oh, I loved him at Space Quest 4 and 6. Oh,
0: he's irreplaceable. He, is, he has such a – he just has such a funny delivery. He's like a game show kind of a voice. Yeah. I love his voice. Yeah.
2: He has an – he always had a very powerful, charismatic presence to him.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he was immortalized at least and we could recognize what cool stuff that he's done. Yeah, Definitely. He's, re- he's really the only reason that I regretted owning the floppy versions of those <laughs> games. I'm sure there were other good voice actors too, but him as the narrator uh, he is especially good. Although I tend to, when given the option, turn off the narrator voice just because it's so much slower than reading.
2: Mm. Yeah, lo- a lot of Sierra's early uh, CD-ROM stuff was pretty hit and miss, but he really uh, gave it his all and made those, uh, made those releases worth playing.
0: Oh, for sure. I don't remember. It must have been on Troll's uh, Space Quest Historian podcast where he talks about the importance of a narrator and particularly um, how a narrator is different in the Space Quest series, how the narrator himself was kind of a character and would even address the protagonist, which is an extremely rare and kind of a no-no sort of a thing to do in fiction. As usual, you've been a real pantalo. Oh, yes. What? <laughs> oh, that's from Space Quest 4. I, uh, I, I don't think I've heard that spoken, but I can picture, like, uh, Roger Wilco laying on his front with, like, a gaping, steaming hole in his back from
3: yeah uh, blowing <laughs> uh, himself
0: up on this or that. Boy, do you do a lot of dying in that game, but I love that game. <laughs> oh, I love that game. Um, I will very briefly mention something uh, that I did this week, um, the new Android operating system, 6.0 Marshmallow came out. Are you an Android user back ago?
2: I am, but I have not noticed any significant uh, s- uh, system updates recently.
0: Yeah, that's a big problem with the Android ecosystem. That's um, Even the phones that are eligible for an OS upgrade usually don't get it for one or two or three weeks just because they kind of push them out on a rolling schedule. And that's only for the few phones that are eligible immediately, which are usually the Google Nexus phones that are, like, managed by Google personally. Uh, All the other ones that are made by Samsung or Motorola or HTC or what have you, they usually make their own patches for their own hardware, and they roll it out, if you're lucky, in, like, three or four months. Sometimes it's, like, a year and a half. Yeah, I got a Samsung myself. I'm an older one at that. Uh, So it may or may not be eligible at all. They, They cut off the Nexus 4. It won't receive this newest upgrade. We have the Nexus 5, so yeah. we, we barely make the cut. This is probably the last OS upgrade we'll get.
3: Yeah. So because. Well,
2: <laughs> not, not that I'm sad about that or anything. My phone uh, still serves me really well uh, for what I uh, do with it.
0: Oh, sure. Well, our phones. I, I love hacking around on my phone. I love Ugh. I love a piece of software. How many
1: times have you come close to breaking your phone because of that?
0: I've come very close <laughs> many times to breaking my phone. It is miraculous that I have a working phone today from the ordeal I went through this week. Um, it seems I, I was doubting my ability. I had to follow a slightly different procedure to flash my newest uh, operating system on my phone. Usually um, I have the opportunities to either wait those few weeks for the uh, operating system to be pushed over the air to me automatically, like everybody else. <laughs> but I'm too impatient for that. Screw that! I want to hack around and get it right now. I, I, I have to get it the day that they launch it. So, which yeah. of course
1: yeah. means breaking his phone and crying about it.
0: Well, I've, I've avoided the warranty like the day I got this phone because okay. I I unlock the bootloader, which allows you to put on a non-standard operating system, which is a ridiculous thing considering. Your phone is basically a computer, and why would you void the warranty by putting on the operating system of your choice? But that's usually the way that it goes, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I'm not not nearly brave enough to do that sort of thing to my own phone, considering if I break it, I probably won't be able to afford a new one.
0: That's sort of what we were fearing. I was really dreading having to buy a new one because I got mine into a state where it wouldn't even boot up. There's like an animation when you turn on your phone, and it kind of obscures the BIOS and the boot-up operations and all of that. And so it
1: got stuck in this infinite
0: loop. Yeah, they call it a boot loop, so it wouldn't even boot up, and I was having trouble getting it back into the diagnostic mode, but I finally figured it out. It seems that the issue was that my USB cable, like, died. It stopped working properly right in the middle of my upgrade procedure. That's happened to me before, like, not in the middle of a procedure, but I'll plug in my phone and it either won't charge or it'll charge, but it won't transfer data. So it happened right in the middle of me doing, like, the most delicate work possible. So I thought That's that good. I had done some procedure incorrectly, but as so it he, turns well, out, it was bad luck. So he repeats this
1: three more times, and then then the decides his cable has died and asks me for mine, leaving me without one.
0: Well, I, I didn't, yeah. I, I suspected the problem might have been the cable, which was pretty much the least likely thing to have happened. It's much more likely that I did something wrong and screwed it up. But when I did the exact same procedure with her cable, it worked on the first try. Oh, so, good. I, I felt like... I felt like... I felt like Tingles. It was like a man on fire jumping into a swimming pool. That's how relieved <laughs> I felt. Oh, my gosh. I was so relieved. Metaphor. Yeah, I was trying for something even more colorful, but I think I'll play it safe and go with that one. So, My
3: flesh is
0: burned. <laughs> the goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how it felt. So I'm very, very relieved to have my phone working. And then... Um, I, I always root my phone as well. The only reason I like to have a rooted operating system is so I can install a third party ad blocker, which doesn't only block ads in web browsing, but also in apps. I hate, no, yeah. everybody hates app uh, ads. Yeah, I, think, I
1: mean, it's free, but do I really? It's
0: not would, free enough. Yeah. Now, if I like something, I'll buy it. But I, I hate ads interrupting you and stuff like that. It's very disruptive. It's very yeah, annoying. the
1: ad on the the banner on the bottom is annoying, but it's not as annoying as the ad that pop up in the middle of the gameplay. Those are just insane. Oh, the videos and
0: stuff like that. Yeah, yeah that's obnoxious. That's a, that's a, just an evil way to do business, if you ask me. So, uh-huh. um, nothing to that.
2: a lot of those kind of games myself, but, yeah, I can understand how that would be very annoying.
0: I'm kind of at a loss for a game to play now, too. I've had this new operating system for several days. I haven't put on a game yet.
1: Me neither. I uh, I just kept the games that I already owned, which were, let's see. um, Did I even put it on? Okay, I don't have Doodle God on, which is a game I own. And I have Game Dev Story on my phone. Oh,
0: that's such a wow. good game, Game Dev Story. You ever play that I, one?
2: No. Oh, it's... I, I, I generally don't play stuff on my phone unless I'm out of the house and I uh, need something to do. Uh, what? <clears throat> to pass the time or something.
0: Oh, well, Game Dev Story, it's by a Japanese studio called Kairosoft. Apparently it's based on an old PC game they made in the 90s but was never released in English. Um, yeah, yeah I, know, I know it's on uh, Steam as well. Uh, oh, there's. Uh, a, it's a clone that's on Steam. Uh, what's the Steam one called? you own it? Game? Oh, right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, game right. I'm thinking of a different game. I'm game thinking of Game Dev Story. Di- yeah, yeah, really yeah, so that's a clone of Game Dev Story. It's almost identical. Um, I, I kind of like Game Dev Story more because it has, like, the pixelated graphics, and it's really distilled down to make it a little more simplified. It was the very first mm-hmm. smartphone game that we ever bought on yeah. our old smartphones. And the day we bought it, we, like, laid down on our beds and just played this game for, like, two and a half hours nonstop till our batteries were dead. It was so much fun. Yeah,
1: it's really cute.
0: <laughs> it's really and then, good.
1: But, and you have the option to name all your games, so uh, naturally.
0: Naturally, we have, like, Shit Quest and <laughs> <laughs> Grab My Ass... Grab my ass too. The, the buttoning and stuff like that. Yeah. So
1: all the sequels yeah. are basically the original name of the game plus uh, you know the num- plus the Roman numerals and then some yeah. uh, sassy stuff after that.
2: Sassy stuff. Mm-hmm. So pretty much uh, like how uh, Joel from Vine Sauce named his games too. <laughs> uh, not familiar with him. Uh, oh, uh, where am I? V- uh, Vine Sauce is a streaming site. They do a lot of uh, video game streams, and they pull off a lot of uh, Silly stuff like that as well. I don't remember any specifics from his particular stream, but he uh, had some creative names for his
0: games too. I will put them in the show notes and check them out. But Game Dev Story is fantastic, and Kairosoft is an incredibly good, uh, thank you, an incredibly good um, studio for mobile games. I really, really love them. They do like tycoon style games, which are fun. Lemonade stand kind of tycoon style
2: games. Yeah. Actually, speaking of which, though, uh, I have been meaning to check out Monument Valley for the longest time. Oh, that sounds familiar. What's Monument Valley? Uh, it's kind of an isometric uh, puzzle game where you control the little guy on these really Asher-esque structures, like, Ooh. like if certain walkways are connected to each other Well, they look like they're connected to each other then you can walk on them even though perspective wise they shouldn't be connected
0: Hmm. boy have you guys won a lot of uh gdc awards and bafta awards wow unity awards yeah uh they're monumentvalleygame.com i'll send you this thing i'll put it in the show notes too i see their website is like half awards that's pretty damn impressive yeah that's cool. There have been a few games sort of like that that sort of trick your brain with the whole re, like finding a new way to perceive a 3D world. I, I like that gimmick. As long as it's done yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but,
2: it, but as I said, it was really common in the works of M.C.
0: Asher, so... Oh, that's cool. He was Dutch, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. One of my favorite artists. What on earth are you trying to remove from your phone, dear?
1: <laughs> um, when you're... If you if you have an Android and you're on the uh, Play Store, what you can do when you look under your apps is look at previous apps that you've downloaded and but you haven't uninstalled from your phone and removed them from the uh, list. And so in this case, I'm removing a game I played. It's called Don't Touch Ranger Dick.
0: I hope Dick is his name. What? <laughs> Dick is capitalized, right? Yes. Okay. I feel slightly well, what better. What was with it, it called? It. Don't Touch Ranger Dick. Yeah. Or is it don't touch ranger dick?
1: Don't touch ranger
0: dick. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I'll put that in the show notes, too. That sounds uh, wholesome. Oh, it Yeah, is. truly. Oh, that reminds me of another, just speaking of mobile games, I was listening to the PC Gamer podcast, as I do. They have a new podcast out, which is really good. It's also a live Twitch show. Uh, which I'm never around to watch because it's uh, while I'm at work. But they had the folks from Introversion Games on a couple of weeks ago. They're the guys who made Uplink and Darwinia and uh, most recently uh, Prison Architect, which I think in a couple of days now will be uh, going gold. So good for them. Uh, One of them was mentioning when they were at, I forget where, Tokyo Game Show or GDC or something like that, Uh, mobile game is just for ios which is too bad but i got a feel for it by looking at the website it's called man or goat (laughs) and the guy said he was just laughing out loud like like crying (laughs) laughing playing this game the guy the designer of this game went to a farm and recorded he like walked up to goats and just recorded about like three thousand different goat sounds (laughs) <laughs> and then he went home and and uh sat in front of a microphone and made tried to make goat sounds himself <laughs> and so it's kind of like a tinder left or right this or that <laughs> sort of a game where you choose the sound that you just heard was that a man or a goat it sounds really funny <laughs> it sounds ridiculous so there's a video of it on their website i'll, I'll put it in the show notes very silly oh, awesome great idea <laughs> something that you yeah. understand
2: it, it, instantly introversion. They've made some really interesting games over the years. Uh, they just released Prison Architect, actually.
3: Yeah,
1: I have that installed. I like it.
0: Yeah. Oh, do you have that one, Echo? Uh,
2: no, I'm not sure if I'll get it either, but uh, I really enjoyed uh, Darwinia. I don't know if you've ever played that one.
0: Yeah, I did. I found it got really hard really fast, just like I find every one of their games, I guess. It's, uh, it's I so beautiful. Know. It Oh, it definitely is. I, I
2: didn't find it that hard myself. Hmm. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, it was just a matter of being very methodical in uh, how you approach each new uh, situation.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff like reflexes and build order. It was like an action RTS strategy building game. It kind of is a lot of different different genres in one game, wasn't it? Yeah. It's a shooter, too. I,
2: I actually found it kind of relaxing that way, just clearing out one island at a time. Hmm and enjoying all the, the retro visuals and the trippy music and all that. It had a
0: very uh, re- relaxing atmosphere, I found. I found everything but the game relaxing in that game, because it's just so pretty. The music is incredible, and oh, yeah. the presentation is so so unique. It's like all simple polygons and like very kind of 1980s arcade game sort of. Looked like yeah. the movie Tron a little bit, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. So beautiful. That game... Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I remember them talking about uh, that game um, and Microsoft wanting them to make like an Xbox version, or maybe they wanted to make the Xbox version. And it almost killed the whole company because Microsoft was so picky about stability and user interfaces yeah. and other stuff like that. They were used to releasing on PC, where if something doesn't work right, they can just patch it and no problem. But with Microsoft, you have to like pay them to review your patches and it takes forever oh. and you can't release it at all unless. You call it, like you label the pause button the right way, and you have tutorials that explain certain things. So it took them like a year or something longer to make their Darwinia game for Xbox than they expected, and they almost ran out of money and went out of business permanently. And then oh, it didn't dear. sell well at all. So that was a, that was a really unfortunate thing for them. So they might be dedicated to PC games, although they hinted yeah, very very strongly. Sorry. Oh, you don't blame them. Yeah, I know. They hinted very strongly that their next game will be at least partially for virtual reality helmets. Oh. Imagine Darwinia with like a Darwinia world with VR. How cool mm. would that be? Great. I'd
2: be really interested in picking up uh, one of those new VR headsets once they release, uh, like the Oculus or the HTC Vive. Oh, do you have a
0: preference one way or the other? Uh, not yet. It depends uh, which one uh, people will end up liking better. It sounds to me like both sides don't want to make them uh, – they, 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 they want to make games compatible with both, although they both have really different control mechanisms. Yeah, that,
2: that, that that's the thing about the Vive, though. Uh, I watched Lazy Game Review's video <laughs> where he talked about trying out the Vive, and it seems that you need a room of a specific size to use it and set up these cameras so that you can walk around. That's a pretty tall order. yeah. Yeah, I don't have a uh, spare room. But uh, I don't know if the Vive actually supports the more traditional VR uh, games as well. We just sit down and you have the thing on your head for more for, uh, immersion sake, like uh, how you do an Elite Dangerous or a Euro Truck Simulator.
0: I don't see why it wouldn't. They haven't really demoed much like that as far as I know, but I don't see why it wouldn't support just turning your head and sitting still. Yeah,
2: but if... If that ends up being the deal-breaker for the Vive, I'll probably go for the Oculus. Because uh, I got to try out the Oculus DK2 at a con once. It was incredible. Oh, you thought uh, so? Yeah, they, they demoed... Well, it was a simple demo where you didn't do anything. You just sat in a, uh, a roller coaster and you were along for the ride. And hmm. I was standing up. There was no sound or anything. I would just had this thing on my head, but I... <laughs> I nearly lost my balance just watching this thing, and it was incredible the way it uh, tracks the
0: motions of your head. You can look all around you. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's pretty neat. I tried whatever they called the build before the DK2. I don't know if that's just DK1.
2: Yeah, DK1. It stands for development
0: kit. Right. So I tried that one, and it didn't impress me all that much just because it wasn't a very interesting demo. I'm, I'm sure the technology was still fine.
2: I, I had that too uh, at a con uh, before that I tried the DK1 with another uh, dev team that were doing this weird like skydiving simulation with it. And it just seemed, uh, there was something off about it. The screen just seemed very blurry. It didn't seem as immersive. So they make, must have made some major strides with the DK2 or just the demo was more interesting. I don't know.
0: Oh, I hope so. Yeah, my issue was blurry as well, but I wear eyeglasses, so I had to take them well, off. I, I'm not so. Oh, you're lucky. I had to take them off, and so everything looked really blurry. And uh, I yeah. don't know if it was just not adjusted properly for me, but uh, I could hardly see a thing. So that was no good. I, supposedly yeah, that, they that, they made that better for glasses. That is annoying. Yeah, it's a must. If I if I it doesn't work for a person that wears glasses, I I, I can't imagine they would allow that. I'm sure they've compensated for that. Yeah. I did buy a real poor man's device I got I ordered like off of Amazon it was something direct from China it took like a month and a half to get to me it's uh it's uh from a project known as Google Cardboard which is oh that thing yeah so Google they, they made this they made something called Google Cardboard the idea was you could print out they would give you the plans to find like a sheet of cardboard and you could cut it into uh like an, an HMD a head mounted display that and you would put your phone in the front of it And you're, it would, uh, there's like a piece of cardboard separating the left side of the phone from the right. And it separates your left side of your vision from the right. And then it has like the binocular vision where the left side looks slightly different from the right side. And it has the accelerometer and all of that inside of it. So it can track which way you're looking and which way you're tilting your head and all of that. Um, Interesting. It's by far the least expensive way to have a virtual reality experience. So this thing I got from uh, China was a plastic molded thing with a cloth, uh, like rubbery, uh, strap to put it on my head. It was a little bit more legit, but I think it's for, uh, the, uh, body size of Chinese people, I guess they're much smaller (laughs) than North Americans. It like doesn't fit comfortably on my head at all.
3: Well, you yeah, have a bad head. I
0: I reckon that sort of
2: setup would probably have its limitations as well compared to the uh, more dedicated headsets.
0: Oh, for sure. There's a lot more latency and it's lower resolution and it's like one screen split into two, so you really have to center it perfectly otherwise you can like see a little band of of the the what you're supposed to be seeing through the other screen. It's still really fun. Like you can do Google Street View um with with like a phone strapped to your face, so you can actually like look around, and it's kind of like you're you're in frozen in time right at the intersection that you're looking at. Hmm. That was really cool, and they have like a roller coaster thing. They have a whole bunch of like Google Cardboard apps that, that simulate that stuff. Neat. It's really neat, but it was a gimmick. I spent twenty five bucks on it or something. It was fun to try out, but I haven't put it on since.
3: And I, yeah. it doesn't work
0: with my eyeglasses either, so that that's a a, a killer. I'll give it to my young cousin when they grow up or something. It'll probably, oh, okay. It'll probably be old technology by then. Yeah, Bless you. Yes. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Actually, I had a bit of a cold myself this uh, past week. I don't know if you've uh, noticed me sniffling or anything, so I apologize for
0: that. Oh, no, I haven't. I think I'm immune to that now after watching Troll's uh, Let's Play Actual Sunlights when he was getting over a cold. That was uh, some sniffly video, let me tell you. <laughs>
2: I know. Uh, I didn't watch those.
0: Oh, I, I've, uh, I loved that game very much by local Torontonian uh, game designer, Will O'Neill. That's a fantastic game. I'm putting that in the show notes now, too. Uh, love that game. Very depressing, but very smart and very funny still. Actual sunlight. So Trolls did a Let's Play of that. It's, I don't know, maybe two hours long or so, and it was really amusing. It's yeah. totally the wrong tone, uh, the Let's Play. <laughs> so if you've never played the game yeah. before, like buy it and yeah. play it yourself.
2: I, I prefer to play play a game first before watching a Let's Play of it anyway, if it's uh, something that would, would interest me.
0: Me too. Um, although it's sure awesome. Have you ever seen people uh, streaming Spelunky? Uh, once or twice. Oh, they're so good at it. It makes it really humbles me, that's for sure. I'm terrible at that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. That's a hard, really hard bloody game. Oh, definitely. Yep. <laughs> I still can't get through it. Oh, I, I, I get nowhere near through it. I gave up on it. I yeah. figure if I'm going to play a hard game like that, it's going to be Binding of Isaac, which I've already played enough that I am good at it. I can't get through that either, but I still play it from time to time. I, I play it every single day.
1: He plays it when he's working out in the morning on the exercise bike. It's pretty impressive that he has the dexterity to uh, use the game controller and still manage the pedal.
0: Yes, it is. I guess. <laughs> what, what do you play it on? Play it on then. Oh, I use my gamepad, and uh, I just pull my exercise bike up to my uh, computer table. And I push my chair aside, so I'm just like oh. leaning back a little farther. A lot of games, uh, because it's like a pixelated game, and it's not too simple. When it's full screen, I can see it okay from farther away. Oh yeah. So I've tried other games like Spelunky. It, the things are just too small, and you need too much precision. Binding of Isaac, I'm good enough at it that I don't have to, like, squint at it to look at it perfectly and get every pixel correct. So it's just right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, I have a few corrections that I wanted to address. Uh, so thank you very much to our listeners, as always, for uh, listening closely enough to know that how, exactly how full of crap we are. Um, <laughs> I can tell them how I, full of crap I you are right away
1: without them having to correct you. Oh,
0: you're crap. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Joe Mastriani, for uh, correcting me. I had mentioned erroneously that Star Citizen was just privately – they had their own private uh, – crowdfunding thing and didn't have a Kickstarter, but in fact, they did have a Kickstarter as well, and that provided... I don't remember how much. I think maybe about $2 bucks or so, which is a drop in the bucket for that incredibly lucrative project. But I did forget they had a Mm. Kickstarter, so thanks, Joe, for the correction. Still uh, a lot of cash. Yeah, a hell of a lot of cash. That's more than, like, 100 Kickstarters put together for most Mm. other projects. And we have one from Trolls as well. Oh, why don't I preface Trolls' correction by saying... When I was in, I don't know, like grade two or grade three or something, we did this science fair project about ants or we like, we did a science project as a class about ants. And so one of the tests was, uh, how they, how much they love sweet things and how sweet things give them energy, which they bring back to their queen. And so we opened, we went to McDonald's and we got like one of their, um, chicken McNuggets dips. It was like the honey chicken McNuggets dip. (laughs) And we opened it up and we just stuck it behind the school and we checked it two days later. And we came back. It was all full of ants, all full of like gross, dead, sticky ants. They were absolutely attracted to this yeah. gross, yucky, sticky honey. So that's basically what it's like trying to talk about uh, trying to talk about uh, space quest. When Trolls is around. He's <laughs> that's my analogy.
1: Nice analogy.
0: That, that, that's, that's a perfect metaphor. I've heard one. I think so. Our, our favorite uh, six-legged little crawl, creepy crawly. Yeah. <laughs> that's Trolls. It,
2: it, it works the same way for me and Steven Universe these days.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> so I will quote Trolls, who uh, sent me a very thorough series of tweets. Um, he says... Ken Allen was not added to the Space Venture team because they were in trouble. It was because he made the Space Quest IV music, and that soundtrack was a fan favorite. So it was a scoop rather than a help a brother out situation. That was in response to me talking about Ken Allen's uh, Kickstarter being delayed because he's working on yeah, Space yeah. Venture.
2: He says, yeah, "It's, it's oh. a shame. I was really looking forward to uh, that album, but uh, I can understand his reasons for." Wanting to delay it, I suppose
0: I, I don't know I, I I'll forgive the guy because he's given me so much enjoyment over the years, but I don't know yeah. if I agree with that, but it's not the end of the world. It's not like I have nothing else to listen to. yeah, exa- exactly. he also says, uh, space venture did not start over at any point. they had a programming bottleneck. Let that bottleneck go." and hired someone who knew their shit but they did they did do their own engine with unity which took ages the fact that it took that it uses a custom adventure game engine will probably be severely underappreciated. so that's good to know i didn't realize that they were putting something together uh from scratch in unity there are a few adventure well, games.
2: You, you pretty much have to consider unity is uh, by default geared for 3d games as far as i know
0: uh that's true there is new there well they they do have some uh 2D stuff. I think they regretted calling their products like Unity 3D. And I think it's just called Unity now because they do have good yeah. 2D compatibility. But there's also a lot of middleware that you can buy that acts like a, uh, an engine within an engine. There are some adventure game engines that you can do with Unity. Um, the aforementioned. Yeah, the, 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 I, I, rec- I reckon the Space Venture team obviously wants to fine tune it
2: to their specifications.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're right. That's what a real professional outfit would do. So kudos to them for that degree of detail. I'm sure it's going to pay off very much, too. I'm really looking forward to their game. Oh, definitely. And they announced their date, too. It was like November 2016, I think, which will be like a good four years after they wanted it to come out, or three years. But uh, it's uh, for a good reason, so good for mm-hmm. them. Um, is that all my corrections? That's all my corrections. Hooray. Hooray.
2: <laughs> So we're we moving on to recently played
0: next. Let's move yes. on to recently played. Would you like to open this Okay, lead us okay. Off?
2: before before we oh. do that, can I uh, step up for a second, real quick? Okay. Of course. Gonna refill my drink. You do that. Be right back.
1: Sure, sure. This party is B Y O M. Bring your own mayonnaise. <laughs> Dog. <Dope. laughs> Uh, I guess somebody's back in his chair. <laughs> you hear a lot of, uh... Boink.
3: Free Kept you waiting, huh?
0: <laughs> I'm back. Got some OJ, an apple, and even some cookies. Oh, good man. Oh, I'm jealous. That's all good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed having any.
0: Oh, thanks. <laughs> all right. Are you settled in? You ready to go? Sure. All right, cool would uh, would you like to uh, lead us off in uh, telling us what you've been playing lately?
2: Well, certainly. The thing that I've uh, played most recently was Armicrog. Aha! Uh-huh. How do you like it? Ooh, boy! Um, yeah, I got a pretty mixed opinion on it. Uh, because you know, uh, let me explain my perspective first. Of course, I was a huge huge fan of the neverhood oh yeah like, me too the uh, maybe the hugest fan but let's not go well probably not but <laughs> in any case the neverhood is my favorite game of all time i can wow. say that without any kind of uh hesitation thinking about well, all the games i've played over the years it's the game that resonates the most with me personally
0: wow so you had a lot riding on it no doubt you were a, a kickstarter backer of Crog then
2: uh, yeah, but not until they, uh, you know, made their goal and opened up PayPal uh, donations as well, because I could not pledge because I don't have a credit card.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that's a big problem with Kickstarter.
2: Yeah. So, But, yeah, I pledged $45 so I could get the game upon release, plus the soundtrack, because I fucking love Terry Taylor's soundtrack for The Neverhood, and when I heard he was doing the soundtrack for this game, I knew right away I had to have it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant soundtrack, yeah. So the game was uh, well was scheduled for this year and yeah. Uh, around uh, yeah September first. It w- it suddenly got delayed again until September thirtieth because yeah. they were still uh, bug testing and all that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know, I was disappointed, but uh, I figured I could be patient. i had been waiting for this game for almost twenty years already, so right. So I was right there, September 30th, launch day, ready to play the game, and as soon as I booted up, all the text is invisible. Ah. Turns out there was some issue where they didn't program uh, the region settings right, so if your computer isn't set to the right region, then it won't display the text properly. Ah. So I had to manually set mine to English, it was uh, regularly set to, to Dutch, obviously, because I'm Dutch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, after that, uh, unfortunately, the game turned out to be a real mess. Uh, Despite all the delays, there was still a ton of bugs floating around, like uh, early on, you encountered this slider puzzle that breaks if you mess around too too much with it. It won't uh, respond to your inputs anymore. Uh, Subtitles wouldn't display or the wrong subtitles would display for the wrong messages. Uh, Two different songs could play over each other. You can get Stuck, or I've seen a friend of mine post a video where he just walked straight through a door without solving the puzzle first to open it.
1: Okay, hmm. wait, well, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really brutal.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you did you finish the game yet? Uh Yes, I was actually getting
2: to that, but ah, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I got in touch with the developers on Twitter about the problems I was having with the game, and they were actually really good in responding to me and uh, asking about, you know, uh, what, uh, how did you trigger this and uh, what kind of system you're running. And, uh, you know, they they definitely uh, had a good uh, uh, response to that, and they already put out a, a couple of patches to fix the most glaring issues.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but, you know, dis- you know, despite all the problems I was having, I wanted, of course, to <clears throat> see this uh, through. So uh, I didn't have that ma- many problems uh, beyond the uh, opening bit with uh, where all the text was invisible, fortunately. And I ran through it in a couple of days. And, yeah, it was good, but not great. Hmm. Because, you know, it... Uh, I- Aesthetically, it is one of a, it is uh, one of a kind in today's markets.
0: Oh yeah, it's basic. It looks a lot like the Neverhood, but it's in like full HD widescreen, which is yeah, exactly. Terrific. It looks it's what we always wanted. Crisp. Yep.
2: Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, the, the art style is very similar. It's obviously done entirely in claymation again. Well, not entirely, from what I've heard, but mm-hmm. it, it's it still uh, looks. Just as uh, every bit is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, The music is fantastic, as expected. Love the soundtrack. It's very wacky, very eccentric. Very uh, ominous and awe-inspiring in places as well. A lot of eerie uh, chorus uh, singing. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, Story-wise, it's interesting, but it's a very short game, unfortunately. It's one Mm -hmm. of my major issues with it. Like I ran through it. According to my Steam stats, I ran through it in less than six hours.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, it's got kind of an interesting story. Uh, you're this uh, astronaut called Tommy you Not. Know, you send out to this planet to collect new uh, sources of energy for your home planet because they'll die without it. But you and your dog-like buddy crash on planet. And you have to find your way through this fortress, you know, find this energy source that you were sent to retrieve and find a way back home and along the way discover, well, uh, there used to be the civilization living on the planet, but they've uh, all since died out and you're trying to figure out what happened there. But, you know, it's all done in a very uh, <clears throat> wacky kind of style, similar to the neighborhood. And you relay this information through these weird visions that you get here and there, which at first don't make sense. But as you uh, slowly piece together more, you start to figure out exactly what went on. So it's interesting that way. But the overall story doesn't last very long because the game is so short. Right. And between the story bits, well, you're just walking around collecting items, solving puzzles, all the usual stuff. And that's actually a lot of fun when it works. But as I said, I didn't have much problems beyond that one slider puzzle breaking. I had to restart the game and save my game before I tried it again. But, uh, well, <clears throat> the puzzle design is pretty basic. You got logic logic puzzles like slider puzzles, uh, music puzzles, uh, color, uh, color puzzles. There's this one puzzle where you have to pull different switches to spin these planets around that are different colors so that you can make a certain combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's pretty basic stuff, but it's fun to solve. Not overly difficult. Uh, there are plenty of clues and tips around if you uh, get stuck somewhere. So it's uh, very tightly designed in that sense.
0: And they're generally the same sorts of puzzles that you would have found in the Neverhood, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But one of the problems is there are certain types of puzzles that get repeated over and over throughout the game. Oh. Huh. Which is kind of a bummer. It seemed kind of seems like they were running out of ideas, and uh, they needed to pad out things. What a
0: shame for such a short game, no less.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, that's too bad. So, would you recommend it in the end? Uh,
2: well, considering they uh, half patched the game now, if you enjoyed the neighborhood, you want you want more. Uh, definitely have a look once it's on sale because. With the current asking price, I find it's a bit high for such a short game uh, that you can run through in such a short time, but as said, it, uh, it's the closest we'll uh, ever get to a proper neighborhood uh, follow-up, so it's definitely worth checking out in that regard, and for the soundtrack alone. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a fun little uh, puzzler, uh, point-and-click adventure game, if you're into that kind of thing. Definitely aesthetically pleasing, but nothing that will stick with you for too long compared to uh, the Neverhood.
0: What a shame, because that's a tough act to follow anyway, but, I mean, now that we know what they're capable of, they yeah they asked for, like, a million bucks or something on Kickstarter, too. So Yeah, they they made a little less than a
2: million dollars in total. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how much that is compared to the Neverhood's budget, because the Neverhood was a massive undertaking where they – uh, you know, had all these different people on staff. They ha- had all these different sets, all these uh, claymation characters. Ended up using three and a half million tons of clay in the end. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know how that compares to Armacrog, but you know, this is just a, a respectable kind of uh, follow-up to that on a, on a much smaller scale.
3: Hmm.
0: I'm just. Uh, I just took a look at the uh, PC Gamer website where they've reviewed the game i try not to read reviews of games that i'm still waiting to play i was a backer too for 25 dollars, and uh i played like i don't know 20 minutes of it or so i, I figured i'd wait till they patched it a little bit more because i ran into some yeah. bugs too and the it was only superficial bugs that i saw there are bugs with the animation but when it's a dougton april game who is an animator and an incredible one i didn't want the animations to be broken so i wanted to wait um, that's
2: that's that's very true.
0: Yeah, So the Metascore is pretty bad. PC Gamer actually raised them lower, rates them lower than the Metascore. PC Gamer rates them forty six out of one hundred.
2: That's pretty. bad. pretty. I, would, I wouldn't go that far, but then I, I'm a huge Mark for the neighborhood, so I'm probably kind of biased as it is.
0: Well, I know at least PC Gamer's policy is they they review version one of a game. So, if you are going to release a buggy game and patch it two days later, it's the the buggy 1.0 version that they're going to review. so surely the bugs were a part of the
2: oh, yeah, yeah. The
0: score, but that's a- it I
2: can definitely understand that and i actually I've actually been working on my own video review of the game for my own YouTube channel, and I pretty savagely slammed the game for, for that fact, but they have gotten their act together, so that's worth something at least.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, I'd love to put your YouTube channel in the show notes, and we'll surely link to your uh, to your uh, video once it's done. Oh, sure. All right. So I'm looking forward to playing that one as well, but I'll probably give it a, a couple of weeks or a month or something for them to work out some of the bugs. Because, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare that I run into issues having to do with localization, but we run our computers in Canadian English. Yeah. So it's usually compatible with... U.S. English. That's a beef I have about uh, Android, by the way.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. For some reason, they have English in every, in most, uh, most of the major nations except Canada. It's like we're a bloody afterthought here. Well, they
0: had U.S. English. They had uh, – yeah, they have English for U.S., U.K., Australia, and India, I think, whereas mm. Microsoft has something like 40 or 50 dialects of English. And I think there's more Android users than Windows users. So uh, uh, Android really has no excuse. Yeah. It would be nice to have a a spell checker that does things in Canadian English. Yeah. Yeah. I've been taking
1: the UK. I I often try. I often uh, sneakily change mine to the UK after Brian's back is turned because he laughs at me when I select UK English. But I'm like, I am not spelling color with no U.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, Canadian English is like halfway between American and U.S. English. We spell most things the UK way, but some things the American way. It's very strange.
1: And then there are times when we use both variations of the spelling, but it depends on the context. I
0: see. Yeah. It's a stupid language. It's a stupid language made stupider by being Canadian, basically.
1: (laughs) Because we were tired of being ignored, so we made our own version of the language.
0: I guess so. (laughs) Uh, So what else have you been playing? Uh Well, considering we were
2: talking about Telltale earlier, I've actually finally been playing uh, the first season of The Walking Dead.
0: Oh, right on. Very we both good. love that game. Yes. What do you think so far? Uh, uh,
2: I already finished it, actually.
0: Oh, beautiful. Uh, bo- uh, both seasons or just the first one?
2: Just the first one so far. I didn't have season two yet. I didn't even have the uh, 400 Days DLC until uh, Frederick was kind enough to uh, gift it to me when he heard about that.
0: I think it's on sale on Steam right yeah. now. Get it is it. 75% off.
2: Yeah, I actually bought it yesterday.
0: Oh, right on. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, I think season 1 is the best of them all, but they're all very good, including 400 Days, which is short but like concentrated with interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. But uh it it was my first uh time playing the one of the well, not well, if you don't count Jurassic Park, which was kind of different from what our later stuff, but it was my first Time playing one of the newer style telltale games and i gotta say i was really impressed with it because hmm. you go well you you go around you follow the story and you get occasionally to choose a response or to uh choose different uh, different things to do in a certain situation like will you help this guy will you help that guy
1: or you and- say screw them both and let them fight it out
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. And depending on your choices, certain people can live or die, which will affect the story. And uh, it's interesting to see all these little changes that certain decisions, uh, the impact that certain decisions can have on the flow of the story, like how certain people will turn against you or uh, become friendly to you, depending on that. Mm hmm. And you have to make some pretty harrowing decisions at certain points. It gets it gets pretty heavy.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It sure does. And there's people you'd love to get revenge on, but there's going to be repercussions for it, so do <sighs> yeah. you do it or not? I,
2: I, I tried to stay friendly to most people at first, but then there was fucking Larry. Yeah, he's the worst, huh? <sighs> yeah, okay. I... I, I Could see the reason uh, the guy had his reasons to uh, act the way that he did. He was looking out for his daughter and all, but he didn't have to be such a fucking jerk about it. So one once I got the chance to kill him, I pretty much did. Uh
0: huh. Was that in the in the freezer or something in the back? Yeah,
1: at the cannibal at the cannibals
0: farm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's not spoil too much because that is a very yeah, rewarding. Exactly. That's a very rewarding game with lots of really creepy surprises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but despite all of that,
2: I found the writing to be really good. I uh, really uh, liked a lot of the characters, and seeing some of them die was pretty shit. Pretty uh, pretty harrowing. Yeah. Yeah. And at at the heart of it all is relationship between the main character lee and a little girl clementine whom he basically becomes a surrogate father to and it it works really well it's very uh touching and sad at times
0: yeah our guest uh kelsey from a couple of episodes ago hello kelsey she mentioned that that was perhaps her favorite relationship in video yeah, games,
2: yeah, I can, I can definitely see why.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful relationship, and it is what you make of it too. From what I can tell, although I've never tried to be a jerk to the little girl, but uh, oh yeah, me neither. How you you gotta? I don't know who would have the heart to do that.
2: Yeah, like uh, you know, I was pragmatic at times, like when uh, when Chuck advises you to cut her hair and teach her how to use a gun. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But you know, for the most part, I tried to be uh, nice to her.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, not sugarcoat things too much. Like, yeah, uh, people are uh, going to die in a situation like this, and we got to be ready for that.
0: Yeah, I really love that angle, how you kind of want to help to preserve her childhood. You wish you could, but yeah. realistically, yeah. you just can't. So you have to kind of rationalize things in a way that she'll understand and won't disturb her too much, but will still kind of drive the point home. It feels like a big responsibility. I really appreciated the, the kind of the restraints that you have to have to play that game in a certain way.
1: Mm-hmm. But, there's, but it doesn't take any restraint to act like a dickhole in that game.
0: <laughs> no, it's the easiest thing to do, and that's what most people do in that universe, it seems. It's very pessimistic about mankind in general. But uh, it's a good story. Have you, do you watch the shows or have you read the comics?
2: Mm. No, not at all. I've heard a lot of mixed reactions about the show, and I probably wouldn't enjoy it. Because it sounds like it's one of those typical uh, horror stories where everybody's just being dicks to each other for no reason.
0: Is that accurate? I've, um, I haven't watched it myself.
1: No, not entirely. There are people who are petty, but people will be petty. Oh, but they're not all they're,
0: dicks they're
2: for either, no reason. They're either dicks or they're just plain stupid.
1: There's a few people who are just playing fucking stupid. I think it's a good mix of people who are dicks, people who are just playing fucking stupid, and people who want to try and make the best of a bad situation. So I think there's a good character balance there.
3: Yeah. Because, I, mean, I, I if, I didn't if everyone really was that.
1: just nice, there would be no There would be. There would be no story.
2: Sure, it, there has to be conflict. Well, no, well, no I disagree because uh, the Walking Dead game showed that there, that there definitely could be nice people in a situation like that. Yeah,
1: there can be. But and for, but just for the sake of the show, I'm just saying that uh, if everybody was nice, like every single last person was nice... Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm, not, just, I'm not
2: saying that either. But, mm-hmm,
1: it just wouldn't have the right feel to it. It wouldn't feel natural in terms of humanity but,
3: because but the, we're not the, all the, nice the, people. The,
2: hmm. the conflicts between the characters in the game felt very natural. They were they got angry at each other for very uh, understandable reasons, like uh, the second episode, they're running out of food, they have to ration what they have left, and everybody's mad at the person who rations out the food because they feel she's not giving them enough.
1: Exactly. What she, got-
2: she, she has to shoulder that responsibility because she's the only one who uh, can. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar uh, stuff does happen in the show. The uh, biggest criticism I have is just that it got a little plotting at one point because they were just stuck in this one location in the second season when they were at the farm, at Herschel's farm. Mm. But with under this new director, there, it, it moves a little more fluidly, so you're not stuck in just one area, which is nice. There is good character development, and there is good character changeover, too, so you're not stuck with the same people. And it does feel more like you're living in post-apocalyptic, in this, I don't know,
2: yeah, that, that, that's that's another that's, that. another that's another thing that bothers me because it is a zombie apocalypse story by definition that means that people are going to have to make way for other people as uh, time goes on and I'm not sure how I feel about that like it it happens in the game as well but there it's more of uh, a because you uh because you did the wrong thing that people ended up dying so it's on you. True. Mhm. Of course, people end up dying in the game as well, regardless of what you do. But at least you, so you could try, at le- at the very least, to do. You something a, about and you have and you have a
1: clear conscience because you tried.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, Precisely. Bianca, let me ask you this then: What's better, the show or the games?
1: That's a tough one because they have their own. It's it's hard to ju- to uh, compare the two medium the two media mediums because one's a show, one's an interactive game.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, which, which... Apples and oranges. Yeah. I guess. I'm just being provocative.
1: hmm They both <laughs> oh. have their own merit, but they both have their own downfalls.
3: Yeah. Plus, it's not even
1: the same characters as the uh, as the show, so you get a different level of attachment.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
2: they're both different interpretations of the same uh, kind of material.
1: Yes, they are, which is why I also like Fear the Walking Dead, because it's basically another interpretation. Oh, I
2: haven't heard about that. That's another show.
1: Fear the Walking Dead is um, basically you know how you're with in the when when you first start playing the Walking Dead, you're as Lee, you're in the back of the uh, sheriff's car and he's driving you to the prison after your yeah. conviction.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Base and you and you have no idea, and and it's like you have no idea why who that any of this is happening, and then you're then the zombie stumbles onto the highway and you white and uh, you and the car rolls over and you have to try and get away. Mm -hmm. the other show is essentially set around that time but like
0: oh so like the time of the turn.
1: just two steps behind that so you can see the slow influx of the infected
0: okay i see that's the sort of a setting where i sort of wonder whether is it is it good enough that you don't really know what's causing everything or is that like it's kind of nice not knowing that and not having to worry about that it's enough to focus on like
2: no, I, I feel it's not really uh, that important to find out uh, the exact reason behind it, because it's just part of the setting.
0: It's the one big mystery, and as soon as they reveal that, then something will be, kind of be lost forever.
2: Yeah, pre- pre- precisely.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil anything about Chapter 2 for you, but I will say I'm pretty sure that there's no, like, Season 3 planned, or at least I don't think they're going to continue with, this, with the characters. So, like, mm. there's only so many ways that Chapter 1 could have ended, but... We tried a few different things in Chapter 2, and it ended very differently with all of our playthroughs, which is super cool.
2: So, uh, d- does what you did in uh, Season two, season 1 carry over to Season 2, though?
1: Yep. Yes, it does. Okay,
2: that's awesome. Which is fantastic, yes. But so, uh, uh, I'll be looking forward to trying that. Uh, Somewhere down the line as well then. Oh, good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. I'd love to hear how you like it.
1: You should probably play uh, 400 Days before you do season two. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: I I played that already as well.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, how'd you like that?
2: It was interesting. Uh, Nice little uh, little mini campaign, so to speak, with all these different new uh, characters. And it was interesting how it all tied together in the end as well.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. It's nice having little vignettes about different people in the same situation. I guess that's what's nice about the universe is that it can be about anyone. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed those. Those are definitely a favorite game, game of ours, so I'm glad you liked it, too. I actually own uh, The Wolf Among Us as well. That oh, that's a good one. Yes. I
1: like that. I've uh, played all the way through that. I love it. Mm.
0: Francisco oh, liked that one, too, I believe. Yeah. Wolf
1: Among Us, or as Brian calls it, Mongus.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just call it Mungus. It's faster. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but I peeked over her shoulder. It looked pretty good. Yeah. I'll try it. I should buy it, actually. Well, whatever. All right. Uh, anything else that you played lately?
2: Mm. Sorry, Adra. Mouth full of cookie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the best excuse of all.
1: I'll be back in a moment. <laughs> okay. You, you can, why don't you tell
0: people what you played this week? Okay, sure. Well, if, if Akergo is all done, I can mention what I played. But go go ahead if there's more more that you want to talk oh, about.
2: No, I'll, uh, I'll be on in a minute, in a second, once, uh, you know, go, go a bit back and forth.
0: Okay, sure. Uh, So I will say, first and foremost... We already okay. talked about Quiplash and Drawful. Um, first and foremost, our, our topic that we're going to discuss today is scary games. And so my intention <laughs> was to play a bunch of scary games and then talk about them. However, I, the first game that I wanted to play was uh, Doom 3. And that's pretty much all I played all week. Um, with, with yeah, some I haven't small had exceptions. a lot of
2: opportunity to catch up with the stuff that I might have wanted to talk about either.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: With the possible exception of The Walking Dead, if you want to count that. But
0: oh, absolutely! I, I didn't even put that on my list, but that definitely belongs there. I would say. Um. So Doom Three. I love this game so much. am a. Are, are you a fan of of the Doom games, ago? Oh. oh, definitely! I've been
2: playing uh, Doom One for uh. uh Ever since it first came out,
0: I love it. Oh great! Yeah, me too. I'm just the same. Doom one, I loved. Doom two, I loved even more. And Doom three came out. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I won't uh, be late. BFG. BFG. Well, they, yeah, they've had the BFG since B- the first Doom game. Fucking God. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you, you used the clip from the German version of the movie.
0: Yeah, that was weird. I had it had been so long <laughs> that I didn't even realize it
2: was the wrong the wrong dude. Like I, I fired up the podcast after we recorded it, and I was like, "Why does this sound so weird? Is it from a
0: parody or something?" <laughs> I think that's what happens when you look for clips on YouTube. Is that the uh, English language one gets caught up by the copyright police, but the foreign yeah. versions don't? So those stay on there. Yeah. No, so that was, that was funny. Sure. Oh, so Doom 3, I've finished this game, I think I've finished this game like three times already, four times already. I've been playing it since, it's like a ten-year-old game now. I'm playing the BFG re-released version, which has like an updated right. engine. Um, and it totally doesn't much care for that one, as I recall. No, he doesn't, but uh, he, he's, uh, he kind of gives a bias to games of a certain era, with some exceptions, yeah.
2: but he doesn't like Doom 3.
0: He's, got, he's kind of a cranky old grandpa in that
2: way sometimes but we still love him. Yeah, of course we do.
0: <laughs> so Doom 3, the original of Doom 3 which was out I think in 2004 or something, the most Could unique be. so the most unique thing about Doom 3 other than the fact that you can jump is <laughs> is that um You, uh, it's a very dark game, like dark as in the level of light that is, uh, put into the level design. There's a lot of places that are absolutely pitch black and they made the design decision. Oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, no, sorry. Go go on.
0: No, they made the design decision, uh, that your only source of light is a flashlight that you hold in your hand instead of a gun. So you have to switch between flashlight and gun. It was it was widely criticized uh, for that.
3: It was a lot of
0: people, including
2: myself. I have to admit,
0: it was criticized by many people, and it took getting used to. But I loved it. It added this extra bit of tension, especially because a really ridiculous and unreliable light source as an alternative is firing your gun and having like that muzzle flash for like a quarter of a second or a fraction of a second. That was another way. Makes light, and I feel pretty mighty. That's right. Well, it was your only option while you were having a firefight in the dark to see something momentarily. Yeah. And, of course, the enemies have, like, their own muzzle flash, or they throw, like, a glowing projectile. And it was amazing being in a pitch-black hallway watching a glowing fireball fly through the scene. That is true. That was amazing. I thought it was a like
2: brilliant design decision. Yeah. I loved it. The, well, the darkness in the game did annoy me a lot, but it wasn't a deal-breaker or anything, but... At the same time, I feel it kind of goes against the spirit of Doom because Doom is all about you know being able to see your enemy and sh- shoot at them. And Doom Three kind of took that away from
0: you. Yeah, it was. It did have its differences. It had similarities too. Um, so this this version that I'm playing now, the BFG edition, they yeah. brightened up the the areas a little bit. You need your flashlight a lot less than you did in the original Doom Three. Plus,
2: you now have a shoulder-mounted light. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they did it uh, kind of like the game Fear, where you have a flashlight, and for some ridiculous reason, your flashlight battery works for, like, 30 seconds, and it ticks down. And if you turn (laughs) it off, then it recharges again.
2: I need to play play Fear again sometime. I bought that on Steam a while ago.
0: I play that game, like, at least once a year. That's probably, in my opinion, the best shooter ever made. Which one? Fear. Fear. I've been begging the wife to play Fear, and she's like, meh, whatever, and I bought it for her, and she has it installed.
1: I guess we'll both have to make New Year's resolutions then about games, because you, uh...
0: Oh, I already made a New Year's resolution that I own, like, 500 albums, and I want to listen to them all next year.
1: Oh, I thought <laughs> but, you were involved playing all 500 games or something. Oh,
0: screw I don't want to play the games I bought. What the hell would I do that for? What do I, what do I look like, Akago? go. <laughs> Hey, go <laughs> <laughs> had a great uh, blog history. What was it? The 365 games of day, days of games or something like that. 100 game oath. There you go. There you go. That's the, I. I don't have the disappointment for that. I buy more games than I than I can play. Just, and yeah, I'm yeah, looking at two uh, more yeah, games I, I, right I still, now. Contemplating
1: that, them.
2: Even after finishing my 100 games. Oh, so you did it successfully, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it took me about two years to go through uh, the 100 games that I wanted to when. After that, I kind of fell back into my old habits, but um, Why not? But uh, you know, I'm trying to kind of, uh, you know, regulate my uh, <clears throat> my back, by, back backlog by not obtaining too many games at once anymore.
0: Yeah, it was those bundles that really uh, that really uh, sunk me. Yeah, oh, yeah bundles, bundles. bundles
2: and sales on GOG and Steam. Yeah, it's pretty easy. By the the way, am I the only one who pronounces it GOG.com? Everyone else seems to say G-O-G.
0: I like to call it GOG. I always have. I thought it was GOG.
2: Yeah, but everyone says GOG because it used to be called goodoldgames.com.
0: I called it GOG then, too. Yeah. I don't Hmm. know. It sounds like some kind of Cthulhu demon. I like GOG. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the last thing I want to say about Doom 3 anyway is that uh all oh, right i was talking about the bfg edition so it changed it updates the engine i was having trouble getting the original doom 3 to work on windows 8 and i haven't tried it on windows 10 yet but i assume it still doesn't work right um and it's an old engine by now it's like 11 or 12 years old by now 11 years old by now um so the updated version is sort of what i wanted to try it rubbed me the wrong way because of the flashlight because i love that mechanic so much um But it's fine, the new one. They adjusted it so that because the game is easier, because you can see better and you can shoot and use your flashlight at the same time, so they increased the number of enemies a little bit, which adds a lot more tension, especially because it's such a claustrophobic level design game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of nice. And it does kind of uh, mitigate the issue of, like, you know, you hear a monster appear somewhere and it's almost always behind you or around a corner so that it's not as scary. You know that something is spawned, and you know it's in one of, like, three places, so you just check them all as soon as you hear something. But when it spawns two or three guys at the same time, then that adds a lot more tension. So I I appreciate that. Um, And the other nice thing about the new engine is that it runs as high as 120 frames per second, which our monitors support. And that game from the very beginning had amazing um, animations, it's, oh yeah, it's, definitely. Well, the monster design and the level design, and especially the animations, are so cohesive together. The the a- monsters are all like spindly and creepy and crawly. It's really oh, yeah. gross.
2: I, I especially love the uh, design for the pinky in that game.
0: Oh, it's horrific. It's a lot like the movie, kind of. Well, yeah, the, the movie took it directly from the game. Is that it? It's incredible. Yeah. It's like this huge, like bulldog slash. I don't know. It's just like just big fleshy meaty thing with these metal legs. It looks like it's pure yeah. muscle. It's terrifying.
2: Yeah, so yeah. The the movie was directly based off of Doom 3, so that's why they took the monster designs from that game as well.
0: I can see that. So the zombies are amazing. They look amazing. The imps are my favorite enemy for sure. You fight more <laughs> of them than anything else, but they they look incredible. They like jump at you and crawl a little bit, but mostly they're up on two legs and they throw their plasma balls at you like they always yeah. do. And they just look amazing. Just amazing. Um, and there's also new enemies, too. Well, another enemy that was really, really nicely uh, redesigned from the original Dooms is... Oh, what were they called? The Lost Souls. The flying skull things. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're bloody terrifying. They look like, like a, a man... They, instead of looking like a skull, they kind of look like a man's severed head, but they have, like, these chomper metal teeth. Like, what's his name from... Um, from James Bond. Oh, I can't Jaws? Remember. Jaws, there you go.
2: Oh, they, they, they actually remind
0: me more of Baraka from Mortal Kombat. Oh,
2: that too. They do look
0: more like Baraka as like, a matter of fact.
2: Those very, very uh, needlepoint kind of teeth.
0: It's really, really creepy. And, you and they have, have
2: jetpacks attached to the back of their heads.
0: Not, uh, oh, I didn't even notice that. I just know they had like fire behind them, but. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Incredible.
2: But uh, since you mentioned that, it's actually really kind of disturbing the first time you encounter them. You find this woman in a room, and she's kind of panicking and screaming, and all of a sudden her head just pops off, spine and all, and turns into a lost soul.
0: Yep. Most of the the monsters get a little creepy animation like that the first time you see them, which is really, really great. Yeah. So everything about this game, I absolutely love it. The pace and... Just the the pace and how frenetic it can be sometimes, how slow it is sometimes. The weapons are fantastic, and there's benefits to using all of them at the right time, but you can just use whatever one you want. There's new weapons, there's old weapons. Boy, is this a good game. It is such a good game. I call Doom 3 a masterpiece, and I mean it, because I think it's just, like, unmatched. It's up there with the best shooters of all time. I don't like it more than the original Doom games, but I like it for different reasons. So I can see
2: that. I don't entirely agree, but I found it enjoyable enough myself.
0: Yeah, I I would say that if you liked the original Doom 3 and you can get it for cheap, try the BFG edition because the updated engine is nice. Like, the sound design, which I forgot to mention, is, like, incredible as well. But um, just the new engine and and, um, the fact that they increased the number of enemies in uh, trade-off for being able to see a little bit better that kind of gives it a bit of a different balance. It's a little less horror that way and more action, but it's okay because it's still very horrific. Oh, yeah. So I think that's a brilliant game, and I won't say much more about it. It's on my list of scary games, and I don't have much more to say about it than what I just did. Um, Otherwise, I played a little bit of Euro Truck Simulator 2, which the wife has played a bunch, and I'll let her talk about that. But first I want to mention um, the last game I'll say is a game called The Beginner's Guide. Oh, I have to get the guy's name. This is a... Made by the guy who, one of the guys who made the Stanley Parable. Did you play that oh. one? I adore that game. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, me, me too. It's brilliant. I think that's one of the most brilliant games I've ever played. So, the beginner's guide is very interesting. Davey Redden is his name. Redden, Redden. I don't know how you pronounce it. I forget. Really Redden. I don't know. Um, it's a game where it's sort of, it's like a, about 90 minutes or two hours long. And it's kind of like an interactive essay where. He uh, presents a bunch of simple games and levels made, made by a game designer named Coda and talks about, like, the similarities between them and what it tells you about the individual. And it sort of has, like, kind of a narrative from one game to another. There are some elements that are present in, in uh, subsequent games or that kind of so, further so basically story. kind of a mini game collection? It's sort of a mini game collection, but you play them in order, and there is a narrator, Dave, uh, Davey himself, Speaks over top oh. of them while you're playing around.
2: I oh, didn't get the narrator from the Stanley Parable back.
0: No, but it's a different it's a different tone. Stanley Parable was very like comedic, and it was kind of a satire, a very like lighthearted sort of a theme for the most part. This one yeah, is just kind of this one is serious. It's like a heartfelt conversation between the between Davy and the player.
2: Okay. It's, yeah, I suppose that. Uh, wouldn't entirely fit if they got the same narrative again. That's true.
0: It wouldn't. And it's not like there's no humor in the game because there is some, but that's not really the tone of the game. It really is kind of an essay that's trying to present arguments to you and t- telling you things. But then the ending is very ambiguous and, Uh, it allows you to kind of draw your own conclusions about who you think everyone is and what the relationship is between them and Um. all kinds of stuff. I thought it was brilliant. A lot of people are complaining that it's too short and that it has no points, just like the Stanley parable, I guess. But I think
2: the Stanley Stanley parable had a point
0: in uh, kind of playing with the
2: different conventions of video game storytelling.
0: Yes, it did. And playing a bunch of different mini games by one guy sort of has that same effect. But Stanley Parable was a little bit more direct with that. But this guy has really established himself as a very diverse storyteller that wants to kind of throw away the conventions of traditional game design in order to convey something unique like only he can. So I love that about him. And so I think if you appreciate the Stanley Parable for what it is, but also kind of for what it says, that you'll also enjoy the beginner's guide. I thought it was very, very smart, and I've never played anything like it. And I'm so glad I played it. Okay, but uh, I don't know
2: if I like how, how you describe how vague and open-ended it is, because it just reminds me of this kind of overly artsy-fartsy stuff like Dear Esther
0: or something <laughs> like that. Oh, right, and it is artsy to an extent, but it's it's literally an essay. It's an essay with like an introduction and arguments and a conclusion, and it makes a certain conclusion, but it's up to you whether you believe the conclusion. It's really like a conversation starter. So it's it's not so ambiguous. It does try to say something, but it kind of right. opens up questions as you pay attention to it. So, I'll, I, I'll have to look into it. It's certainly not for everybody. And because it's so short, like I guess you could watch somebody else play it on Twitch or something, but I think it's worthwhile to play at your own pace. It was like I think it's about $10 brand new. It was just on sale for 20% off. It might still be on Steam. But uh, I, I really liked it a lot. I, I'll definitely play it again maybe in six months when I don't remember it so well. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was very special. Oh, uh, yeah. It's mm. a, that's a good idea to go and
2: fresh like that again. I think so. It's probably why I don't replay a lot of games myself.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, for the most part, I don't. No, but my no, favorites, at, I do. At
2: the, at the same time, I love just kind of uh, replaying certain bits of a game so I can uh, memorize the dialogue or whatever. I used to do it a lot. A lot more when I was younger. Like, I have memorized pretty much the dialogue in every LucasArts game I've ever played.
0: Uh Uh-huh. It's hard not to. (laughs) I I replay those all the time because they're so funny. Yeah. Yep. All right, Bianca, what have you played lately?
1: Uh, Not not a whole lot. (laughs)
0: Well, you played something a whole lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Euro Truck Simulator. Not that.
0: Well, that too, but something else too. (laughs) Um, uh,
1: What did I play a whole lot of?
0: Is Mm. Is there anybody here who doesn't play it? That's a good question. We talk about that like every other episode, don't we? <laughs> True. That's such a good game. I can't wait till American Truck Simulator's out. Yeah, well, that'll definitely. Although be
1: interesting. what's interesting about zero. So although I hadn't really touched it in a while, but my I had bought the copy for I bought a copy for my dad,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and he had questions about it. And so I had to go over to help him figure out how to play. I get over to his house, and I find out he's using his fucking keyboard and mouse. I'm all, mm-hmm. oh, what the fuck, dude? Don't so you have
3: a keyboard?
0: Oh, really?
1: I'm like, oh, seriously, no gamepad.
0: Yeah, that's he, he says he plays it this way, too.
1: Uh, how can you stand it? It's awful.
0: Uh, same way I play Grand Theft Auto with mouse and keyboard, I guess. I yeah. drive with a keyboard. I, I tried my gamepad. I just couldn't
2: get used to it. I I, I I couldn't didn't find it comfortable how you could only assign a couple of commands to your uh, keypad I had to use the k-
0: keyboard for the rest of it. so that's true. It has a lot of buttons.
1: I only keep I only bother with the essentials. I just recently assigned uh, my turn indicators.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, mm-hmm. I've been playing, so I have. Uh, Absolutely. so my company, Budgie Chuckers Inc. has absolutely no debt.
0: <laughs> Budgie Truckers? Yeah. Or
2: Chuckers. Yeah.
0: Truckers. I, I, I
2: name mine Akagogo.
0: Oh, what's mine? Oh, I'm Skidmark Incorporated or something. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. And
1: you're basically you basically carry operating debt and I'm and I'm just one operating surplus and I have three garages.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you made big strides in running your own company. Oh. Lately, haven't you? You have how many drivers working for you now? 11 drivers. Wow. Oh, wow. I have uh, 11
1: drivers. My headquarters are in Amsterdam. I have a small garage in Rotterdam, and my other one's in Brussels.
0: Amsterdam is an annoying uh, city to deliver to because they have all of those really narrow archways and entries and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, that's in it's, a lot of towns, I find. Uh, one specific company that always has these really narrow archways.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I find it uh, depends on the parts of the continent you're in. Yeah, I
1: find that if you have this Scandinavia DLC, that the at some of the corners there are really obnoxious to turn around. It's like they're really sharp to turn around, to, to turn through if you're making a right hand turn. Well, yeah,
0: the Scandinavians all have small properties and they're they're packed full of uh, junk all over the place, so it's really <laughs> hard to park backwards. Oh right, I, I don't
2: I don't have the Scandinavia DLC yet.
0: Oh, yeah, we bought it right when it came out. Yep.
1: Hey, yeah. it's it, pretty good. It is pretty good. It's I mean, beautiful. I'm, I'm hauling cargo worth 60,000 euros. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, you've been trucking a lot of yachts lately.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bunch of uh, rich snobs all want their fancy yachts hauled from Paris to Oslo.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. What else have I been playing? I don't know. What What did I play?
0: <laughs> the thing that hurt your hand?
1: Oh, yeah, that. And I just went and took another title, so I feel better now. That's good. <laughs> I double-checked the bottom lines
0: in the bathroom so every four hours, so I'm happy. Yeah, you've been torturing yourself playing this game, physically torturing yourself playing this game.
1: <laughs> I can't help it. It's a good game. I mentioned this the last time we hosted, not last week, but the week before.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Ace Attorney, press, oh. uh, investigation, the prosecutor's path. This is the second Edgeworth game. Um, I just finished the fourth I just finished the fourth chapter.
0: All right, so this is the fan translation, because it never came out in English. Yeah.
1: Not yet. <laughs>
0: Not yet, anyway. Well, I don't, I don't think it will. Oh. No, it, it's, it seems doubtful,
2: considering how long it's been since the game came out.
0: Yeah, it's for the original uh, Nintendo DS, so they're making games for the 3DS now. hmm So I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, so... <laughs> I have been... Pl- I... I just wanted to start playing it because Edgeworth happened to be my favorite character from this series.
3: Mm,
0: cravat boy. <laughs> you like purple frilly men. I'll see what I can do for you.
1: <laughs> you got a long way to go, Tubby.
0: <laughs> I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> so I wasn't really – I don't know what I was expecting, but I know I wasn't expecting what I've got. And so now – because the plot actually turned intriguing after the first chapter – First chapter is basically an attempted at assassination on the president of Zangfa. For those of you who played the uh, first Edgeworth game, Zangfa is the uh, nation involved in a smuggling ring that uh, who that's uh, involved that's being investigated by the Interpol, which is headed by Agent Lang and his uh, many uh, "quote unquote" wolves. And now, agent L- and now in this la- latest episode. Agent Lang has no accompanying, accompanying, uh, turd wads beside him. He's all by himself. He's a
0: lone wolf. Oh, right, right. Go ahead.
1: So I won't really go into much since Brian hasn't played it, and I don't want to spoil it for him. But yeah, please,
0: I'll play it next. Well, why don't you mention why it hurt your hand so much?
1: Because it's got, because I've been playing it in bed, and it's got these really jagged corners, and I was resting it in my left, because I'm, I'm right-handed, and I was using it to hold my, and I was holding it in my left hand.
0: Yeah, we have the 3DS XL, which is like the larger version of the, made
1: for his or sorry, the, the DS
0: XL, not the 3DS. Yeah.
1: It's made for his giant man-like hands. I'd well, like,
0: it was made for my crappy man-like <laughs> eyes, because has got a bigger screen, so it was easier to see. It looks nice in the bigger screen, but it's heavier, too. Yes. yeah. And it's like the, Nintendo DS is one of the worst ergonomics I've seen in a in a handheld console. It hurts to play for me anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I remember remember getting uh, some nasty cramps playing uh, Metroid Prime Hunters on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't like playing games that uh, you have to use the uh, thumb controls or the buttons. I like games that use the stylus because it hurts my hand less to hold it that way.
3: Yep.
2: Uh, yeah, Metroid Prime Hunters. Uh, it's a first-person shooter where you uh, ha- uh, have to use the buttons and the stylus at the same time.
0: Oh, I played another one. I don't remember what it was called, but it was a really technologically ambitious one where uh, you controlled it in that fashion as well. But um, it was like the first 3D uh, – it was the first like uh, 3D-rendered DS game that ran in uh, 60 frames per second. Hmm. It was really neat, and he did that by like being a flashlight game where you could barely see in front of you, but it looked awesome at 60
2: frames. Uh, was that called uh, Dementium?
0: May, I, it's been too long since I played it. That could be it.
3: Mm.
0: So we've been thinking about getting a 3DS, but we'd rather spend our money on something else. It's just the only place you can play the new Phoenix Wright game. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a 3DS myself, but I barely ever use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we our, our uh, DS was on the shelf for a long, long time, but then this... Fan translation came out not long ago.
1: And then I joined to 3DS and he hasn't been able to, and the only time he gets, Ryan gets his hands on it is when it's, here, can you charge this for
3: me? That's
0: right. Well, <laughs> I'll let you finish it and then I'll get my grubby paws back on it. Yeah. All right. Has anybody else played anything they want to talk about or should we get on to our main topics? Uh,
2: I could at least mention that <clears throat> uh, between Armacrog and all that, I've been playing uh, Xenonauts recently.
0: Oh, I've heard of that. What is that? Uh, it's basically a uh,
2: indie-made uh, spiritual successor to XCOM.
0: Oh, right.
2: It has it has the same basic setup. You're in charge of this organization that has to defend the Earth from aliens. So you set up a base, and you have to hire uh, scientists, engineers, and soldiers, and. Uh, keep an eye out for ufos that fly over the earth and cause all sorts of havoc Uh, once you pick up one in your uh, radar you then send out uh, airplanes to shoot it down if you can and once it uh, once they usually crash then you send out a ship full of your soldiers to the crash site and it switches to an isometric uh, turn-based battle uh, mode where you then command your soldiers, uh, explore around the area, k- kill all the remaining aliens. And once you do that, hopefully with as few casualties as possible, you recover the technology from the UFO and use that to uh, you research that in order to improve your own equipment and slowly ensure that you get better armor, weapons, uh, airplanes. You expand uh, your base, you build more bases so that you have more range to detect UFOs all over the world, and you have to keep all the different nations happy so that they'll keep funding you.
0: Sounds familiar.
2: Yeah. Like like I said, it's pretty much a one-to-one uh, translation of the original XCOM, but with more modern aesthetics and uh, quali- uh, quality of life improvements.
0: That's nice, because it's kind of a hard game to go back to because of the controls and the low resolution and the UI and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very nice. So it's it's a good game, but it's also pretty
2: challenging, even though I am playing on the easiest difficulty. But uh, XCOM is pretty notorious for being pretty brutal, where soldiers die left and right. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to, my best to keep that to a minimum. But like XCOM, also the fun part is you can name the soldiers anything you want. So I've named them, uh, <coughs> named them dumb after nuts and, uh, friends uh, and Balls. Acquaintances. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs>
1: I said, so you name them shit uh, shitface, hairy nuts, and uh,
3: dumbbells.
2: No, no, no. Like, like I said, I've named them after friends and acquaintances, like uh, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh,
3: at
2: been, the very, at the very least, my f- one casualty so far has been trolls.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: rest in peace, Strolls. Someone else is going to have to defend the, the mistakes about uh, Space Quest now.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's fun,
2: but uh, pretty stressful because there's a lot of things you have to take into account. Like, are you, are your soldiers uh, all well-equipped? Do you have... Uh, are you making the, be- the best use of your time and your money to upgrade your base and everything? Uh, keep everything running, and keep all the nations happy uh, by taking out enough aliens.
0: Oh, right. Oh, that's how you maintain your funding?
2: Yeah. Because, huh. uh, you know, you have to... <clears throat> uh, well, if UFOs go unchecked, then, of course, they'll start abducting people, causing all sorts of uh, havoc. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> that Yeah, that...
1: <clears throat> I'm not laughing at you. I'm sorry. She's
2: laughing at our stupid bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, that, that'll obviously uh, make the uh, funding nations unhappy if you let the, that kind of activity go unchecked, check. And so they'll uh, keep giving you less money, and eventually they might even resign entirely from uh, giving you any more funding. And if enough countries resign, then that's a game over. Mm-hmm. But that, that hasn't happened to me uh, so far yet. I am not that far into it because I've been... Uh, and kind of playing on and off, uh, just mm-hmm. you know, you know, doing a bit of base management and shooting down a few UFOs uh, every time, and then going on a ground mission or two mm-hmm. before quitting. So you know, make it steady progress. But I don't want to play it too much because it is a very, uh, it, uh, very management heavy and stressful game that way.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I didn't really like about the original. That and the controls and the, the, the low resolution, it makes yeah. it hard to pay attention to everything and to react to everything. Yeah. I'm sure it's I, a lot easier in widescreen with modern UI. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the modern remake of
2: uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, which you know streamlines the original gameplay down a lot. A lot of people kind of said they dumbed it down too much, but I liked it that way. Was it an official uh, re-release or was it a fan one? Uh, you, you mean uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown? yeah. That, oh. that was an o- official remake uh, by, made by Firaxis.
0: Oh, oh right, of course. I own that, and I don't think I played it for more than a minute. I think I got it for free with another game. Oh, you, you should definitely check it out, especially with the uh,
2: Enemy Within expansion. It adds so much more uh, content and gameplay. Hmm.
0: <laughs> I think that's a co-op game, too, isn't it?
2: No. Oh. It's a... Well, you can play it multiplayer, but it's uh, competitive. Uh, like, one... Side is uh, XCOM, the other side is the aliens. As oh, okay. far as I understand it, I've never played a multiplayer. I've only played, ever played a single player. Ah. But yeah, yeah. The, the single player is just you manage the base and you send out soldiers to command them one at a time.
0: Okay. Well, I do have to give that a try. It's, it was uh, rated very highly.
2: Oh, definitely. And uh, there's a sequel coming out as well, which looks interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, they just announced XCOM 2. <laughs> Well,
2: that was a couple of months ago already. I'm not sure when it's due to release, but that shouldn't be long either, from what I understand. Mm. But I, I don't know if, uh, when I'll check it out after it comes out, just considering how much else I still have to uh, get to.
3: <clears throat>
2: Although one, th- one thing that kind of uh, annoys me about the sequel... Okay, you spend all this time in the first game, you know, uh, fighting the aliens, uh, stopping the invasion, and in the end, you are pretty much victorious. Then the sequel comes around, guess what? The aliens took over the Earth. Oh, now yes! You have to, uh, yeah, now now you're kind of an underground resistance uh, fighting to take the Earth back from them. Ah, okay. So, that pretty much renders the entire first game inconsequential. Uh, everything you did there uh, was for nothing. Oh, That's, well, that's frustrating. frustrating. But you know, as long as the game is still uh, entertaining, you still send out, <clears throat> still uh, the kind, of, same kind of uh, t- tense kind of turn-based strategy gameplay, then I'll be satisfied.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, cool. Well, I'm glad you like Xenonauts anyway. It sounds like, it sounds like it's closer to the
2: original. Yeah, definitely.
0: Hmm. All right, then. Well, shall we move along to our main topic? We shall. All right. So thank thank you very much, go for recommending the main topic of scary games. I guess it's appropriate for uh, for Halloween and all that, which is coming up. Do they celebrate Halloween in uh, the Netherlands, by the way?
2: Uh, we actually do. For the longest time, we didn't. But it kind of, uh, you know, uh, how do you put it? You know, we, we've been kind of playing along with it for the past few years as well, just putting out pumpkins and all that. We don't go trick-or-treating or anything, as far as I know, but...
0: Oh that's cool so you're still into the whole the whole uh, scary atmosphere and that kind of celebration yeah. of that stuff
2: although although that wasn't actually on my mind when I suggested the topic it just suddenly popped into my head like hey this is something I could talk
0: about oh well, that's great well it works out it works on at least two levels then because so I, I like yeah. a lot of scary games myself oh yeah yeah and i I've, I've had a
2: <clears throat> pretty lengthy history with that as well as already uh, let on before
0: hmm well, what would you say... I'll put this out to everybody here. What would you say is uh, necessary for a ga- a good game to be scary? All right. what, what, what makes a game scary in a good way?
2: That's a tough one because that, that seems like a very subjective thing. Of course. Uh, to me, personally, I get startled really easily by certain things. Oh, yeah, the jump scares and stuff? Well, not just necessarily jump scares, just uh, things that are unexpected that you uh, that you wh- while you're just playing something will happen that you're like wait a minute what the hell's going on uh, it's it's hard to explain but that could be anything basically okay but you know there's also things like uh, you know overall atmosphere uh, music oh yeah sound is a big one uh, story as well, but you know, you know, it, it's it's a lot of little things that can contribute to making something scary or, at the very least, you know, unnerving.
0: Oh, sure, it's it's very hard to get right, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, hundreds of cheap uh, Unity-made horror games on Steam attest to that.
0: Oh yeah, I know all the uh, Slenderman things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first one of those games I saw looked really interesting, just like this big spindly, scary guy stalking you through the woods. But I don't think they've really gotten any more than that, have they? There's so many games that
2: Mm. just do that. Even that first one seemed rather gimmicky to me because it's... Oh, sure. It's just you're you're going around this forest. It's entirely dark. You're moving slowly because that's supposed to make it scarier. And... Uh, it, it's randomly decided where you, where these pages are hiding that you have to find.
0: Yeah, That's it was just kind of her game.
2: But what, once you kind of figure out the gimmicks that you like, never turn around because the Slenderman likes to hide behind you at times. Right. And, you know, if you spot the Slenderman, immediately look away and, you know, just, just don't look in that direction until he uh, shows up somewhere else, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a very uh sc- scripted kind of game that way. Yeah, one trick of, which point. is kind of a shame because the the concept is interesting. But it needed better execution. And then we got Slender uh what was it called? The Arrival, I think. Oh, I don't even know. I didn't see them after the first one. But yeah, that was like the official follow-up to that which kind of expanded the mythos. It actually had a story and all that, but uh, from what I've seen, uh,
0: it wasn't very good either. Yeah, no doubt. There's no shortage of those. Well, do you have an opinion, Bianca, about what makes a a, a scary game effective?
1: Mm, that's hard because I watched a lot of horror and scary stuff when I was young, and it didn't really bother me. So I kind of I don't know what makes a good scary game cause I because it doesn't because I've tried playing. Uh, at last, I'm going, okay, so there's something creepy around the corner. I'll just make sure it do not go that way.
2: Hmm. That, that, that's actually kind of a, a funny that you mentioned watching horror stuff and not being scared. That's the uh, ironic thing with me as well. There was a ton of stuff that scared me as a kid, yet I played through stuff like Wolfenstein or Doom without batting an eye.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, my neither parent, my parents bat an eyelash when I rented the play like, horror and scary stuff. My dad would tell me, "I just don't don't make me have to. Wa- I don't want to watch that. As long as I don't have to watch it, I don't care if you're renting it." Right. And my mother let me get away with renting Stephen. Oh, yeah, my
2: my uh, parents were really, really uh, lax with that as well. Like, you know, they would let me uh, watch movies on TV and all that. You know, they they would kind of warn me if they knew there was something scary in it, but you know, they would just uh, <clears throat> they they wouldn't
0: care that much otherwise. I think oh, you guys mentioning this actually reminds me of. Uh, A a, a horror movie sort of a childhood trauma that I had that lasted with me for a long time. Oh, boy. I was on vacation with my parents. I forget where. It was a family vacation, and we were in a hotel, and there were some, like – there were movie channels, but I think we were just flipping through the channel, seeing what was on TV, and the movie Jaws was on TV. Oh, boy. I have to watch this movie because I've only seen one scene, and I guess it traumatized me for life, so I didn't see it anymore. But it was just – Jaws, like, uh, jumping up and biting somebody and pulling them and, like, eating them whole on a boat. Yeah. And I was probably, I don't know, I must have been, like, 11 or 10 or something when I saw this. But I had nightmares about that for for weeks, and I would, like, close my eyes and see this image in my head. It really, really disturbed me.
2: Oh, I can, I can relate to that.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: And it's You're not even really a horror boat.
0: movie. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> even really a horror movie. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've heard it's an amazingly good movie. I really do have to see it. But uh, oh, that, that disturbed well, me for a long time.
2: Well, so. uh, I guess you can argue about the semantics, but it's pretty widely accepted to be a horror movie because it, it, it does definitely have scary bits. And uh, they, they work it to their advantage that you don't see the shark that much. So that uh, really creates a sense of dread from what I've heard. I haven't seen the movie either.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an important aspect, I would say, that you don't really see what the danger is. Yeah, mostly because
2: the uh, model they used of the shark looked so fake that they didn't want to show it that much. But that ended up working out uh, better in the long run.
0: Mm -hmm. (coughs) So
1: in response to the question, I think it would have to really be more about suspense and the uh, psychological aspect. Because visually, I think... Just seeing something scary isn't enough. There needs to be something underlying to make you, a real lot to get you to be scared. It has to be psychological. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's what I was thinking as well. It's more about the suggestion than actually showing something.
1: Mm -hmm. Which probably makes Mm -hmm. that, in my opinion, the scariest movie I've ever seen, even though it didn't scare me, the others. Well, I have
2: heard of that I haven't seen it but then I don't watch a lot of horror as it is
1: have this, I seen that no you haven't I All keep right. telling you you need to see the others I,
2: is, that, is that the one with Nicole
0: Kidman
1: yeah uh, no I don't think it's Kidman I think it's oh. Winslet I forget who it's I don't know just one of them Hollywood bimbos
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's see or 1997
1: no that would be 2001? yeah 91
0: 2001 uh-huh. yeah Nicole Kidman oh yeah oh. okay
1: that is the one
0: okay no,
1: huh. but yeah, it just the whole psychological thing The one, the, the one thing like- I
2: remember reading about this movie is that they told people not to watch the trailer because it gave away the whole twist.
0: Yeah, I try to avoid trailers for things I'm interested in, mm-hmm. in general reviews yeah, and all that me, kind of stuff. Me too. Me too. Well, but, it's
1: easy for us to avoid trailers of any sort. We don't have any television.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you know, if you go to the theater or whatever, you still get trailers before the movie and all that. Yeah, that's true. Then you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually remember mm-hmm. okay this is kind of going off topic but I remember uh, going to uh, to the movies one time mm-hmm. in the early 2000s and seeing a trailer for the uh, for the Matrix sequel and I, I was a huge Matrix fan and I was really looking forward to the sequel and uh, s- seeing the trailer just spoiled the entire plot for me and oh. it made me really weir- weary of spoilers ever since like I want to go into things knowing as little about them as possible yeah
0: I'm with you. Well, my answer to this question, I would say, is primarily, like, the disempowerment of the protagonist. So, like, mm-hmm. the pro, you, you figure the protagonist would fight back if they could, but they're kind of robbed of the means of fighting back directly or effectively.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that, that, is, that is true. Yeah, and I think that's especially important in games, because if you're a, a big, tough badass, like you are in Doom 3, I guess, then it has to use other means To scare you, like it has to surprise you or exploit the fact that you can't see behind you. I guess it's because
2: you have a BFG uh, with you at all times (laughs) in Doom 3 that I never really found it that scary.
0: Oh, it scared me a lot. That game I found very unsettling between like the sound is unbelievably good, Uh, Mm. which is probably the lion's share of it. But also the darkness is like the most direct metaphor for the unknown, I suppose. Yeah,
2: but that—that's more like you're stumbling through the dark, and then suddenly you stumble upon a monster, and you get startled by that. But that's not really scary to me.
0: It is pretty startling. Maybe that's a better word for it.
2: Yeah, and it the, does have the, a lot the of most. Meaning. The most scared I got in that game was in the early parts where you just arrive in the Mars base. Everything seems to be going okay, and you, you then get sent down into this dark area, and you meet this scientist who's uh, kind of muttering to himself, uh, scared like, uh, you know, uh, what was it he said? Uh, The devil is real. I built his cage. And then everything starts going to hell. All these spirits and demons, whatever, start flying about. People are screaming and pentagrams glowing on the walls, that sort of stuff. That was pretty effective. But then everything after that. Not so much to me.
0: Oh, see, what what continues to work for me is there's this sort of theme throughout the game where it's like they've opened up this portal to hell. And the further you get into the game, the closer you get to that portal. So the as you go through this, like, big metal um, space station, which is basically what it is, big metal kind of space factory, it will gradually introduce more and more of these kind of manifestations of hell in the level design, like... Oh um, yeah. Like instead yeah. of a metal wall, there'll be like a big like rib cage sort of a thing with like big fleshy, gooey oozing bleeding. Yeah, you
2: get you get all these, these fleshy tentacle things and whatnot just growing throughout the base like yeah. basically like the like an a uh like the hive from aliens.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, that works on me on a really nice level. It's 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 great. It's they gradually introduce it, it's always so creepy and they find all these different ways of conveying that. Like sometimes it'll be like a big pustule worm sort of a thing that's like crawling through and sometimes yeah. it'll be bloody. Sometimes well, it'll be spine, that, slimy. Sometimes it'll have stitches. It's really creepy. To, to me, that's, yeah. Okay.
2: Kind of unnerving because it is so unnatural, but mostly I just find it gross.
0: Yeah. There's it, a lot of gross. It's unsettling and it's surprising. It's startling, maybe more than scary. But I,
2: I don't know That it kind of makes me think. Uh, I'm not sure if, there are other games that kind of do that same thing, and in some games, yeah, it does make me scared to kind of get close to that stuff or touch it or whatever, because I feel like it could hurt me in some way or whatnot. Mm. Right. Like, like, I guess System Shock 2 had that uh, with the many.
0: Oh, I haven't played enough of that game, not for a long time, to remember oh, okay. that, that part.
2: Is I that think- like the Ghosts?
0: Well, no, no, not just the ghosts. But the thing
2: in that game is there are these uh, parasites that have been infecting this uh, station crew. So you encounter these uh, pe- uh, people who are swinging pipes or shotguns at you, and they're screaming at you, uh, "Run! Uh, kill me! I don't want to hurt you!" But they're being controlled by these worms that have burrowed into their necks or. Oh, whatnot. that's awesome! That's awesome. But, but as the game goes on, you. Uh, the the people the parasites start mutating and developing further and further and gradually you know you get the same kind of situation where the all this biomass or whatever is covering the walls and whatnot mm. oh i love that uh, it's it's been a long time since i played system shock 2 i should uh, get back to it sometime
0: yeah i played it when it was brand new a little bit it was pretty clunky i that's why i couldn't play the first one was the controls were just so like insurmountable to me uh,
2: Yeah, okay, but
0: I I still really enjoyed System Shock
2: 1, and I played that after 2, actually.
0: Oh, wow, that's a lot of adjustment. Well, Joe on the Upper Memory Podcast is going to be reviewing uh, the re-release of System Shock 1 in a week or two, so I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I
2: I guess he'll immediately cover 2 as well, since that's what he does. He uh, tends to talk about series Mm -hmm. in their entirety when he uh, does a show on one game.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Well, before we get too far into talking about our own uh, lists here, I wanted to read a couple of comments that we got from listeners. Uh, oh, yeah. So one of them comes from uh, Darth Helmet from Australia. Hello oh. there. Um, he says, he has lots of memories of the first Alone in the Dark and how scary it was to 8, eight to 10-year-old me. That dining room filled with zombies that you have to deal with really scared me, as did the bathroom monster. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I can kind of see that, especially because Alone in the Dark was one of the first games to kind of, uh, you know, t- do the whole survival horror thing with uh, static camera angles, uh, pre-drawn backgrounds, and polygonal characters. So mm-hmm. at the time, it seemed very unnatural, very new to see all these weird things bobbing up and down, like the uh, monster in the bathtub, or just the zombies, and the, the bird monster that uh, flies through the window in the attic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, and I think that was another example of the disempowered protagonist. Because in in my memory, one of the hardest parts of that game was just aiming.
2: Like, yeah, but that's mostly because of how clunky the controls were. Like, you right, punch you could punch, but because uh, of the static backgrounds, it was hard to accurately gauge uh, how close you were to an enemy and. The, the uh, animations had a little bit of wind-up to them, so you had to perp- uh, properly time your attacks uh, so you wouldn't get hit by the enemies be- in between.
0: Yeah, that was very, very difficult. And even the ranged weapons, I think there was a rifle or a shotgun or something. And yeah, there was you
2: had limited ammo for
0: that. Very limited ammo, and it was so hard to tell whether you were actually aiming at the guy. That was very <laughs> tricky. So that made it all the more scary. Whether or not it makes for a good game is one thing, but it made it a lot scarier. A lot of like tense, tense moments, hoping that you accomplish yeah. your goal, and you probably won't.
2: But by today's standards, it it just comes off as very goofy to me.
0: Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. It was another time, but it's very beautiful. I love the
2: backgrounds. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, if you're if if you're uh, that young age, uh, eight to ten, then I cannot understand how it might frighten you.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, so Alone in the Dark is a great one. We have. We have another letter here from Ben Chandler. Hi, Ben.
1: Hi, Ben.
0: Hi. Thank you so much for writing, Ben, and, and Darth Helmet. Thank you, too, very much. Uh, ben says, hello, it's hip to be a square. Well, thank you. I think so, too. <laughs> I'll break his letter in half because he talks about two two games. Um, he says, I saw your topic was scary games this week, and I realized that I could rectify the fact that I didn't mention Jack, Jeanette and a bunch of others from Troika's wonderful action role-playing game, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, when I joined you oh. on an episode recently. From the Haunted Mansion to the snuff film subplot to the creepy asylum, Bloodlines is filled with eerie moments that had me on edge. More about binding incredible atmosphere than cheap jump scares, it really established the sense of a world of darkness, an impending a- a cop- apocalypse, and the constant threat of upsetting one of the authority figures who are against your existence from the very beginning. It's a wonderful game in this and many other aspects. So, Akrigo, did you play uh, Bloodlines? I have
2: not. I own it. But I have heard a lot of people talk about the scary parts in that game, particularly the haunted hotel.
0: Oh, so that... That scene, I got the, i to play that game.
1: I started playing.
0: You were very close to this haunted hotel thing. And that is just one of the most awesome levels I've ever played in any game ever. It's wow. It is genuinely scary. And now that it's like a good, I don't know, 12 years or something after they made it, it might not have the same impact. But it's, yeah, it,
2: was, uh, it came out shortly before Half Life Two because it runs on the same engine. Even
0: yeah, that's right. So I think it was developed and finished just before Half Life Two, but they had to delay it until after Half Life Two was released because yeah. Half Life Two is going to be the first Source Engine game sold. So
2: and, e- and even then, it was very buggy and unfinished in places, from what I hear. But, yeah, uh,
0: that's what I hear as well. And amazingly, there's uh, I think his name is is it Wesp. Someone who's been making these patches all this time, they're up to, like, their 10th major version of the patch or 9th major version. Yeah,
2: they add, uh, the fixed fan a patch. lot of bugs and added, added in a lot of content that was missing. So
0: Yeah, restored a lot of content that was in the code but was not implemented, which is really nice. So the, the I, I had a few false starts with that game. I played it, and I loved what I played, but I just didn't really sink all the way into it to finish it. So I played the first area probably three or four times. Then I decided, okay, I'm just going to finish the damn thing. And it's doing so good. the tutorial
2: good. with uh, Joe DiMaggio. Right. John John, John DiMaggio. DiMaggio.
0: Yeah. That's right, Bender.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I, I personally know him as Jake the Dog from Adventure Time.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know it was the was the same guy. He does have a very doggy voice, doesn't he?
2: Well, yeah, but he's, he's in a lot of stuff as it is.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I still know him as Bender first and foremost so he, his character is amazing and he doesn't really contribute anything scary but he's involved in, in the end of the game and it's such a great like a great great end of the game I won't talk about it yeah. but it's a it's a terrific ending that really surprised yeah. me and I found it very amusing um, there is a lot of scary stuff in vampire bloodlines but it's mostly kind of like macabre, uh, freaky spooky, Kind of Halloweeny stuff. It's very yeah,
2: because you're a vampire yourself, living among vampires. That's
3: right. So, so it's
2: kind of hard yeah, to be scared. They Obviously, get up to some uh, nasty stuff.
0: Yes, you do, and that's a great game with some ethical dilemmas about how much, like how much you want to succumb to your animalistic desires, yeah. or how much of your humanity you want to retain. So that, that makes it pretty interesting.
1: Yes, it does, and. Even though it is a little dated, I can't. I can. I still get the sense of uh, the overall atmosphere. The patches have done a pretty good job of at least maintaining the maintaining the game itself. mm Hmm. Definitely. I, yeah. I don't. I. I. It, it. It. It does look dated in some ways, but I still remember going in and just seeing the girl on the table and you before you give her the blood. Just, oh yeah. That was. I, I wouldn't say it was scary, but it was just a little creepy. It was a good first glimpse into this world after you've been uh, mm-hmm. vampireized.
0: Well, I guess one thing that's very uh, compelling about this game is that it's an RPG, and it's a first-person RPG, but unlike most RPGs, it's in the modern day, and that really helps you empathize with the people around you and identify with your surroundings. It takes place for the, in, like, modern-day uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, San Francisco, I forget which now.
3: Mm-hmm. I think mean, it's Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. I think it's Los Angeles. Um, So that's, that's a really cool thing. So the people that you meet, the people that you affect, they're people that are not too different from yourself. And that really helps you empathize with, with other people and to just fit right into the scenario. You don't have to, like, there is a lot of lore that you need to learn, but at least you have the starting point where you know where you are and like who everyone else is basically. It's also uh, very open-ended from what I
2: understand. Like you can, pretty much uh, fine-tune your character exactly to how you want to play
0: it. Yes, it is. It's one of those games where you can break your character if you're not too careful. That's another reason, I guess, why I restarted the game a few times. Yeah. But um, the patches kind of help make things a lot more clear. And uh, there are different ways that you can play. If you want to solve most of your things through conversations, then that's totally viable. Although near the end of the game, there's a lot of combat. That's the weakest part of the game. Because the combat's passable. But it wasn't really difficult. There were a couple of things that were difficult, but you just save your game before and you try it a few times and then you win. You can even cheat your way through, which isn't horrible, because cheating your way through, that's just like the combat part. That's not the interesting part of the game by any means. It's the yeah, so, fantastic way. So it it,
2: it, it kind of has that uh, problem like Deus Ex where you can't play most of it uh, do a pacifist run if you want to, but then there are parts that force you to do combat then.
0: Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, that that is st- the that but if you play that game in god mode, you'll still get 99% of the enjoyment because the, the writing and the setting are the most compelling parts by far.
3: Yeah,
1: okay. and it seems to me that the combat, unless you're explicitly playing for it, or you picked one of the races that's better designed for combat, or you expect yourself from the outset for that... It was no, It doesn't really make a difference because you just don't get the because you're not there for the combat.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're playing this game for the combat, you'll be disappointed. If you play it with God mode and skip the combat, you you won't be missing anything. Well, I'm not adverse
2: to combat myself, but I know people like again, my friend uh, Fred Frederick mentioned uh, playing the uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution and being so disappointed with the boss battles because he was playing it. Uh, yeah, uh, Stealthily, not killing anybody. And then he found he wasn't uh, properly equipped to deal with the bosses. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's something you have to be careful of. But you're right that it is largely open-ended, both in terms of how you can configure your character, <clears throat> but also in terms of there being a lot of side quests and stuff, and you can play the game at your own pace and level up your... A nice thing about the way you level up in that game is that you don't get experience really from combat. You get it from solving a mystery or by like succeeding in a conversation or just by getting past a milestone in the game so there's like certain things that you do that will make you more powerful to prepare you for the rest of the game so you don't have to worry about farming enemies for experience or anything like that i really appreciate that
2: oh yeah i really like that too about games like fallout or the uh, elder scrolls
0: games Mm -hmm. At at least the ones that i've played yeah that's right all right, so I, I do highly recommend Bloodlines, and I'm sure it'll be on sale sometime soon. It's on sale at least once a wow. year. And L- like I mentioned, I already own it. I oh, there you go. Jets. Oh, there you go. Well, in case anyone other than you is listening to the podcast and they don't own the, the game, then that person had dang well better buy it.
2: <laughs> Definitely.
0: So I'll finish off Ben's letter here. One other small notable mention is the 2001 first-person shooter Clive Barker's Undying. Though mm-hmm. it's, it's something of a rough diamond, Undying took the extremely unpopular Unreal Engine 1 and crafted a mysterious little campaign that's mostly let down by dull weapons and an awful final boss fight. Other than this, it's a creepy little game written by Clive himself. It has a very fine (laughs) spell ability in the form of scrying, which allows you to see alternate versions of things in the world around you. One example of this is the family portrait in the first area changing to show the evil natures of the portrayed figures. something I still remember being impressed by. Those are my picks of interesting scary games. Farewell for now, Ben. <laughs> so thanks yeah, I, I, I definitely Oh sorry go ahead,
2: go ahead. Oh, yeah I, I definitely remember uh, hearing a lot about that game when it came up, but it's another one that I haven't played.
0: oh i've I played that one and I finished it and I don't really remember the ending. Very much. I almost remember the ending. I remember the setting of the en- ending being near this big, like standing stone, kind of Easter Island sort of a thing on a little island. I don't remember who you fight though, some like gigantic super monster or something. But yeah, that, that's probably how
2: it you know,
0: went in first person shooters back then. Pretty much, yeah. There's the big, the, the big room sized boss at the end, and that's how it was. It is like a, a kind of a dated first person shooter. Um, True. The so the, I guess, first of all, the atmosphere is awesome. It's very kind of oh. Seventh Guest, Lovecrafty, and sort of a big spooky mansion for the most part. And that's fantastic to walk around. The design is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has lots of really spooky sounds. It really is like the Seventh Guest, the first-person shooter in many ways. Um, Interesting. There's, like, journal entries that you read that are written by Clive Barker, and those are pretty spooky. Um But – and then there's, like, spooky sounds. There's creepy ghosts and enemies and stuff. There's creepy dialogue. There's a story about this, like, cursed old family, and uh, you have to solve the mystery of the old family, that kind of stuff. And you solve the mystery by shooting lots of jerks, of course. Um, Of course. But there's two weapons that come to mind that maybe Ben forgot about that I love in this game. One of the – so you have – you have more traditional, like, uh, physical weapons, and you also have magical abilities. And the scrying thing that he mentioned is really cool because it lets you see things that are hidden. You, if there's an invisible enemy, you can see them with the scrying thing. Or if you look at a picture or, or other things, and you can see an alternative version of it, which is really, really cool. Um, another magic ability, like, you learn a variety of spells as well. And I think there's a healing one, but there's also a bunch of attack ones. And the best one is that you, like, hold out your hand and you summon this laughing skull from the earth. It, like, comes mm. out of the ground and it looks at you and it, like, chitters like a little bird and it giggles and and titters to itself. And then when you uh, fire it off at an enemy, it's like, ha, 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 ha. And it laughs until it hits the enemy and it explodes into a little fireball. That is mm. just awesome. It's so much fun. And, um... Ah. And you have, like, mana points in the game that that you use to cast different spells, but they come back really quickly, so you can cast all the spells you want. So it's so much fun to just have these little, like, laughing skull buddies with you that you explode into the walls and stuff wherever you run around. That's really, really fun. (coughs) Um, The other amazing weapon in this game you get, I guess, about halfway through or maybe not quite is this humongous scythe. It's a melee weapon. And uh, you chop guys in half with it, like literally in half, and they support a lot. It's really, really fun weapon to, to chop people up with. And your ammo is not too limited in that game, but you do have, like, pistols and shotguns, really slow-loading weapons, from what I can remember. I don't think you get a machine gun. So the pace is, like, you'll shoot, and then you have to run away and hide while you're reloading, and then you shoot again. So that's a, a nice uh, balance to get while you're shooting these creepy supernatural enemies. No, I suppose it fits the setting, considering it's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of old-timey, uh, kind of gothic horror story, I guess. Yeah, it very much is. It does fit that a lot. And then it gets into some like supernatural stuff where you're fighting like, Neanderthals and stuff and all these monks in <laughs> these robes. It has a lot of variety to it, and I don't know if it's very cohesive, but you see a lot of different sites, and it's a good game. I do recommend it. It's on GOG. God. I think I
2: actually own it there.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm surprised by the things that I seem to have purchased in a previous life as well. Oh, I, yeah.
2: I've, <laughs> I've especially picked up a shit ton of games in their past uh, summer sale or whatever it was. Uh, didn't we all? Yeah. Ugh,
1: a few games, uh, no kidding. <laughs> that,
2: that, that's how I got Xenonauts, because I unlocked it for free and I'm only getting around to playing it
0: now. Oh, that's a pretty good one to get for free. I just looked it up on Steam and it's like $30. I see. Yeah, that's, that's really great. All right. Well,
2: I, I say for free, but you know, I had to spend forty bucks on uh, the sale to a- unlock it first.
0: Oh, sure, but you got all this other stuff too.
2: Yeah, that yeah, that's
3: true.
0: Oh, I love you, Gog. You're the best. <laughs> Great site. All right. Well, we've 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 spent a long time leading up to this point, but let's. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity, most of all, Akigo, to talk about the games on your list, and then we can get to ours <laughs> as time permits. Oh boy, where to begin? <sighs> And if we have to break this out into a second episode, then so be it. You're always welcome here. <laughs> sure.
2: Uh, shit, hang on. I accidentally closed the Skype window. Oops. No harm done. <clears throat> Apparently not. You're still here. Yeah. But, okay, so I already, uh, you know, let on about this a little bit, talking about the things that scared me as a kid. Mm-hmm. But the biggest damn boogeyman I had when I was younger – were Sierra games. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I know it sounds ridiculous, because, you know, uh, most of them were meant for uh, all ages, especially King's Quest. Right. And yet it's the King's Quest games that I dreaded the most.
3: Hmm.
2: Or Leisure Suit Larry, for that matter. Now, those were more geared towards an adult audience, but, you know, my parents let me play them anyway, because I was too young to understand them, I guess. Me too. But... (sighs) You know, but you know, it was primarily the deaths in those games that really freaked me out. Just mm. you know, I was going along, uh, and all of a sudden I would, well, these are two Larry one, you uh, step off the curb, you try to cross the street, you get run over by a, a random car and you get flattened across the pavement. Yep, okay, but that, that's the mild stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, when you get the Leisure Suit Larry too, you know they opt the graphical quality quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Then you try, uh, you ac- well, accidentally or intentionally, leave the Quaky Mart without paying for your gigantic soda, and all of a sudden the <laughs> cashier will jump out from beneath the counter and shoot you.
0: Oh yeah, wasn't wasn't it like some cowboy lady or something? Yeah, I exactly. remember that vividly. That's
2: very funny. Yeah, but the worst part is every time in that game you die, you then. Get this huge! Uh, you know, you get this window with a huge close-up of Larry's face, looking all terrified. Like, what the fuck did you just do?
0: Oh, and and in that game, Larry looked really realistic. They really yeah. changed the art style, which was a little unsettling in some ways.
2: Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly it. That really messed with my head as a as a kid. Yeah, me too. Seeing that and all the different unexpected ways that you could die in those games. Like I meant, uh, like I mentioned the quickie mart. Uh, what else was that? Okay, going along with any random chick who turned out to be a uh, KGB spy or whatever, she would then, you know, you know, you think you think that she was inviting you to uh, to her bedroom, or whatever, and then she leads you into this massive, uh, you know, he- helicopter bay. You lay down on a bed, which turns out to be a trap. And, gets lifted up into the into the air, and she opens up a pool of acid underneath it. <laughs> then you, you get cut in half with a laser and then dropped into the acid. <laughs> That's
0: pretty thorough.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they come up with the shit that at the same time, you know, not fun to watch when you're uh, six years old or whatever?
0: Oh, sure. Did you play the Space Quest games when you were little? Yeah, I did. Oh, uh, so I think my my probably most horrific uh death that comes to mind is from space quest 3 um right near the beginning you like <laughs> climb up this really big i forget it's like a big scaffolding sort of a thing or it's like a big conveyor belt and a bunch of garbage is flight is like flying over the edge into a grinder yeah. so if you fall into the grinder then like space, space quest was great about giving you close-ups of all the deaths in the restart, uh, restore, quit Yeah, dialogue. and
2: ironically, that's one of the ones that actually puts a sensor box over it saying, not a pretty sight.
0: Oh, that's right. Well, that's while you're dying. But at the very end, it shows, like, this little, like, uh, butcher store packaged meat. It's yeah. like this little cube of meat. And that's you? That's what disturbed me, I think, more than any other death in any other Sierra game. And it's hilarious.
2: Yeah, I, I can see that. But I, did, I didn't actually play Space Quest 3 until years later. I played a lot of them out of order. That was the first one I played.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, I, I thought you were going to mention the one where you go one screen south from where you started you pick up the metal, you cut yourself and you just die in this massive spray of blood.
0: <laughs> oh wow, I don't even remember that uh, That's great do you, do you have a most memorable Sierra death?
2: Oh, I got several uh,
0: But I, th- I think uh, well, if we're talking most
2: memorable then one that still scares me to this day hmm. In Kings for Six, you go into the realm of the dead to get back uh, the ghosts of the of the souls of the king and queen who were murdered by the evil vizier. And mm-hmm. uh, to get them back, you have to confront the Lord of the Dead, obviously, to bring them back to life. And he's like, "Okay, uh, <clears throat> I've I've been here for God knows how long. Uh, I've seen." Uh, heard all these uh, sad stories of all the people who have died over the years and I have never cried so make me cry or else I'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> and if you fail then he tears your soul from your body and Alexander gets reduced to this crumbling skeleton but worse than that okay the usual death uh, of course. <laughs> death sequence in that game is what, whenever you die in that game you get this little sequence of Alexander's soul going into the underworld yeah and being uh, led through the gates. But if you die by being killed by the Lord of Dead, instead, you get this black screen with a close-up of Alexander's skeletonized face as he falls apart with a really creepy rendition of the regular death theme. Oh, cool. And just the, the sight of seeing, you know, the regular close-up of Alexander when he's talking, but, you know, with a bleached skeleton, just with these hollow eyes staring at you, and that music that <laughs> gives me chills.
0: That's cool I I still have not seen that scene The Land of the Dead thing Because apparently I I own that game And when I finished it There's like an easy path And a hard path Which I didn't realize And so the easy path Skips that place entirely And I was wondering Like I was looking forward To getting to that part Because there's a Screenshot of the Lord of the Dead On the back of the box And I never saw Mm. it But I didn't like that game Enough to really replay it All again It's still my favorite King's Quest game Mine too But that's not saying much (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Of course, King's
2: West is my favorite Sierra series as it is, but,
0: yeah. you know, they they're uh, they got nostalgic value, if nothing else. They do. I started replaying it earlier this year. I still have my saves. I'll, I'll get back into it. But I, I guess, speaking of which, that I do kind of have uh,
2: this deeply ingrained fear when it comes to skulls as it is, because I remember a lot of skulls in video games scaring me over the years as well. Hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever played Jill of the Jungle or...
0: Yeah, I don't remember much of it, but I played it like crazy as a kid. Okay, so it's a uh, kind of weird 2D platformer by Epic
2: Games with really pretty graphics and music. And, you know, fun to play if a little clunky. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I distinctly remember is at certain places in the levels, you have these huge uh, white skulls just hanging around, and if you pass underneath them, Suddenly, their uh, their eyes and their mouth would open. They would start glowing and start producing this, like, ominous noise. Huh. And when I was younger, I would always just want to run away as fast as possible when that happened because I thought they were going to come after me or nothing But there's something. But nothing, a- nothing actually happens when they do that. It's just meant to look intimidating, I guess.
3: Hmm.
0: I'm trying to find a screenshot, and I can't find any. I don't remember it. Hmm. I think I played like I played through the whole six episodes or whatever voraciously uh, over yeah, a couple th- of days. Three
2: episodes, actually.
0: Oh, okay. I, I played through the the like in in a few consecutive sittings, and I don't think I played it again. But I loved what I played. Oh yeah, I love the box art too.
2: <laughs> God, you mean that really awful, uh, like clip art
0: stuff? This thing, yeah, probably. It's like this really weird. Uh,
2: Oh, Simplified.
0: I love that. I'm going to put this in the show notes. I think that's gorgeous. Yeah, but the
2: thing with that is they actually released each episode separately in a different box, so you had to buy each one of them to get the uh, f- full experience.
0: Oh, I think the first episode was shareware. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But- yeah, but maybe the other ones came in a box. This might have been a box from the whole the whole. uh Package no, or something.
1: I've never no, even heard of no, it. Until I,
2: today. I, I, I'm pretty sure each episode was packaged separately because I have seen box covers for each uh, different episode in that same style.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I gotta look for that. You haven't heard <laughs> uh, of this one, huh? They're, they're all of the Moby games, uh, as I recall. Oh, well, Jill, Jill of the Jungle was made by Epic Mega Games, which later became Epic Games.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: So they make the Unreal. What do they make? They make the Unreal games?
2: They Unreal, made, Gears of War. Gears of
0: War. Um, Why am I struggling? They made Bullet Storm. What? Did they make Bullet Storm? No, another studio made it, but I think they no, released it. They published that.
2: It was made by people. Uh, people can, it can fly. fly. It was a paid killer.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, they they mostly make engines, I guess. They make make the Unreal Engine, amongst other things. Yeah. And they made Epic Pinball, which was probably the best thing they ever made, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed that as well. Oh, I played it to death. Although, um, uh, I mostly
2: remember playing Silver Ball, the game that came before that, and the, the fantasy table especially, which had awesome music. Mm-hmm. And uh, great background art with the dragon and all that.
0: Uh, Epic Pinball still was my favorite, but more than the ones that came before and after. But mm-hmm. those aren't scary, and our time is limited, so why don't we... Yeah,
1: I was about yeah. to say, yeah. these are putting me
0: asleep. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're, did we interrupt you talking about the history of humanity? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got me on a tangent and i was patient with your tangent
0: all right well let's stop the tangents then i suppose what, what else have you got on your list me yeah
2: uh, oh i got a bunch of stuff uh let me just check for a good one here well i guess if, if we're talking actually scary games, games that are meant to be scary Sure. Then one of the scariest that I've personally played is Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem on the Nintendo GameCube.
0: Oh, i heard of this. Looking it okay. up. I've heard of it. Uh,
2: what it is, is it's a survival horror game in the vein of Simon Hill or Resident Evil, but not with... Uh, it actually has, you know, uh, fully 3D environments and uh, moving cameras. Oh. Huh. That that makes a big and difference. A, a pretty innovative combat system, actually, where you can target individual body parts on enemies. Because certain enemies, uh, you know, you can chop their limbs off, so they don't, so they can't hit you, or chop their heads off, that sort of thing. Oh, cool! Sorry. But of course, the uh, the main thing about it is is that it takes after H.P. Uh, Lovecraft a whole lot. It's basically a Cthulhu story in all but name.
0: It, yeah, it looks like very much that that style of uh, yeah. art.
2: And, and, of course, an important part of that is uh, your sanity, mm. because uh, as you go along, you'll, of course, come across all these freaky zombies and monsters and horrors and whatnot, which uh, anytime you witness something unsettling like that, it will deplete your sanity meter.
0: Oh, interesting. The monster
2: design is incredible in this game. Oh, Yeah. But, okay, as your sanity meter gets lower, you'll start to notice certain subtle things, like your character will start muttering to themselves, you'll start hearing creepy whispers or crying in the background, the camera will get kind of slanted, then blood will start dripping off the walls. Wow. But as their sanity gets lower, then some really freaky shit starts getting happening that will really that is meant to mess with the player directly, like, Suddenly, your TV's volume will drop. <laughs> the picture will just suddenly black out for a second. What have I got? What else have I written down here? Or there's some, or you walk into a new room, and you know everything seems perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden you find you can walk through walls, like you're clipping through the walls. Whoa. And you know, once you figure, hey, what the hell's going on? Suddenly, the screen will flash white. You go back to the previous room, and your character will scream to themselves, "This isn't really happening." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very cool.
2: Yeah, it it has a lot of little tricks like that up its sleeve that it likes to pull on you when you least expect it. That really mess with your head, like that. Like you're not sure if the game's malfunctioning or if it's just messing with you.
0: Oh, I love it. Cool. Is it a good game in the end, in addition to all this stuff?
2: It's it's definitely one of the best games of its kind.
3: Hmm.
2: Because, like I said, it's got a very... uh, uh, For for a survival horror game, it's got very intuitive and smooth controls. Uh, You know, you don't have tank controls or anything like that. You you press up, you move up. You press right, you move right. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the camera angle or whatnot. Thank goodness. Uh, you got variety of different weapons, you got melee weapons, you got guns. Uh because uh you you actually uh over the course of the game, the you know, story goes, you follow all the different ancestors of the main character as they get involved in the whole uh battle against the the ancients, as they're called. Mm-hmm. Try to stop their plans to uh annihilate mankind so you go through all these different eras which all have their diff- uh, unique locations and weapons and items and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You have a very involved magic system as well where you combine different runes for the certain effects like you can heal yourself uh, your health or your sanity depending if you have enough magic you can empower your weapons to be effective against different types of enemies because there are three different ancients, uh, red, blue and green and uh, you know, certain colors beat others, that sort of thing.
0: Okay. Uh, that always frustrates me when magic magic systems do that, the rock, paper, scissors thing. Uh, but it's, it's actually uh, done
2: uh, very well in this game.
3: There's
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> actually also another funny thing. If your sanity is low enough and you try to cast a full health spell on yourself, all of a sudden you'll explode into gore. Wow! Collapse. It seems like you've killed yourself, and then it flashes back, and, and again it turns out you were just hallucinating.
0: It's awesome that that's on GameCube because for the longest time Nintendo was so squeamish about having any blood at all. Yeah, um, that's cool. Good for them for good for them for permitting that. That's yeah, right. it's, it's, it's a shame it's- though. It was made by
2: a company called Silicon Knights. Oh yeah. In, rec- in recent years, they've uh, unfortunately. Done some rather questionable things, and uh, they don't make games
0: anymore. That's right. I think they are from not far from. Yeah, they're from Saint Catharines, Ontario, which is just uh, a couple of hours outside of Toronto. Could be. Yeah. Too bad they're gone. I think they they had legal troubles with licensing the engine or something. Well,
2: the thing was, they uh, were using the Unreal Engine in their game, but they didn't want to pay licensing fees anymore. Right. So, what they did was they went deep into the programming code of the Unreal Engine and they tried to change everything that would, you know, uh, point back to it being a licensed engine. They tried to pass it off as their own work, so they got sued by Epic for that. Yeah, that's
0: asking for it. Yeah. Seems like a lot of bother. Must have been a really expensive licensing uh, fee. Yeah, but they weren't doing too
2: hot anyway because of the game called Too Human that they made that flopped and all that.
0: Mm. So it was their their last gasp, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, they made an X Men game after that, which didn't do too well either. And oh, all, yeah,
0: that they did horribly, as I recall.
2: Yeah, and then the uh, the lawsuit pretty much killed them. Mm-hmm. Which was which was a shame because they were they did actually want to make an Eternal Darkness too at some point, but that obviously never came or uh, came about.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Wikipedia says they were uh, founded in 1992 and they uh, shut down in 2014. So it's <clears throat> always a shame to see such a long-standing studio close their doors like that.
3: Yeah, it yeah. is a shame.
0: Yeah,
2: but again, digressing. Junior high.
0: Oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've got time for maybe a couple more or so. Would you like to do the honors, Akigo?
3: Should
2: I pick
0: another one then? Yeah, please go ahead. We'll prioritize yours. And if you'd like to come back to continue the discussion with some more, then uh, you're you're most welcome. Okay. Well, another... uh, One of the things... Another thing... One of the... (sighs) Sorry,
2: I'm rambling. But one (laughs) of the things that scares me most in video games, okay, in first-person games in particular are... Enemies that will latch onto your face. Uh-huh. Because I suppose it's just this kind of thing where, you know, first-person games, you are meant to immerse you you know into the viewpoint of the protagonist and whatnot. Yeah,
3: yeah,
0: you basically play as the protagonist's face.
2: Yeah, and then, but of course, you know, you have your HUD and everything that kind of separates you from... The game, I guess. But, right. then you, but then you have, like, in uh, the original blood, you have these little hands that crawl, uh, run along the floor. And if they get a hold of you, they will actually reach over your HUD as they try to strangle you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, uh, rapidly mash the uh, U.S. key to pull them off again and then shoot them.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, but that freaks the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And Blood 2, actually, you know, it's not a very good game in, uh, in itself, from what I hear, no. compared to the original. No, it's not. But they t- took it a step farther, where they introduced these creatures called Bone Leeches. mm mm-hmm. uh, Which are basically these kind of freaky uh, worms with uh, an eye on one end, uh, mandibles. Uh, basically, what they do is, you know, if they get a hold of someone, they turn them into a zombie-like enemy called a Drudge. Okay. But but you know, I went into the game, uh, not knowing that much about it uh you know it was okay then, at one point, you go down into these sewers where these little bone leeches are crawling through the water, and as soon as you so much as brush up against them, suddenly, your entire screen gets filled with the sight of this pulsating worm staring at you. <laughs> As it drains your health.
3: Yeah.
2: Yucky. You know, as, soo- as soon as I saw that, I hit
0: escape, quit the game, uninstalled it, never went <laughs> back. That's a good way to get rid of that enemy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: and pretty yeah, cool. th- Whenever that kind of thing just pops up in games like that, then it becomes really hard for me to continue playing. Like, Duke Nukem 3D has the slime monsters, uh, several of the alien games have of course the traditional facehuggers that if they get a hold of you they wrap around your face and kill you.
0: Oh, I'm thinking about in Half-Life 2 the barnacles that pull you up into the ceiling. Yeah, th- yeah, those those were a
2: problem as well because uh, you know they're you know they're hanging from the ceiling and their tongues are hanging out so as soon as you Run into their tongue, you know. You stick to them, and then they pull you up to try and eat you. But yeah, that, that's kind of startling. But you know, you just uh, look up, and shoot them, and they let you go. Yeah, and, and that—that's and all she wrote.
0: That's true. Yeah, it's not as immediate.
2: You know, it's uh, it's still kind of surprising when you think you're uh, just running into an ordinary rope, and then it turns out to be a barnacle's tongue, and you get pulled up. Right. <laughs> I actually remember watching a a YouTube video by a guy called Scarfulu. I don't know if you know him. No. He did a a video on the top 10 things that scare him the most in video games. And number one were barnacles. And the way he he described it, as soon as I hear that noise, I'm a turtle. I eat lettuce now. (laughs) My my head just goes into my my
0: chest. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those those really creep me out too on just like some like lizard brain <laughs> level low yeah. level of humanity.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you got any sure. more or uh, do uh or do we get a chance to uh talk about what horrible games uh...
0: No we're gonna prioritize our guest today. We're, I know we're kind of out of time.
1: I know, that's why I was asking if you had any more. Oh yeah.
0: What else, what else have you got? It sounds like he has more. Oh, I got plenty more. <laughs> sure. Do you wanna uh, give us maybe well Let's one. go with one that not
2: probably not a lot of people know about, a game called Enemy Zero. No, I don't know this one. Okay, there was this uh, Japanese development studio called Warp, which was headed by a guy called Kenji Eno, who's mm. kind of an eccentric, apparently. And he made some really uh, unusual games in this time. Unfortunately, he passed away, I think, last year. Hmm. Uh, Enemy Zero is among one of the more interesting horror games that I have ever played. It was originally released for Sega Saturn uh, in the late 90s, and it actually had a PC port as well that I didn't know about until I happened to come across it on a Torrent site, and hmm. I thought it uh, seemed interesting, so I downloaded it, and I played through it. And uh, Okay, the, the setup is it's set in the future. You're on a spaceship. and it, It's basically the first Alien movie. You wake up from sleep. And you find out there's all these monsters on board that are killing all the crew. Mm. But the thing is, these monsters are completely invisible. Oh. So half of the game is basically a first-person adventure game, like uh, The Seventh Guest, basically, where you just go around these pre-rendered environments and interact with the environment, pick up objects, whatnot. But as soon as you leave a room, it turns into a real-time first-person game where you're hobbling up and down these corridors trying to avoid these invisible monsters. Ugh. How do you do that? Well, the, th- the thing is you have this sensor on you, basically, that emits a certain tone to indicate when a monster is nearby, and it'll start beeping uh, faster and faster the closer they get.
0: Oh, like aliens. Mm. Yeah, more or less. That's always but, so unsettling. That really gets oh, your heart yeah. rate going. Oh, yeah.
2: And it works really well in this game, because obviously what, you can't see the monsters, you can occasionally... Hear them, uh, you know, growling in the distance. But as soon as you hear that tone go, bing, 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 and you know, it's coming uh, towards you from somewhere. You're not sure where, but if you so much as brush up against the monster, you're dead.
0: <laughs> that sucks big time.
1: <clears throat> it really sucks.
2: Yeah. So it can get very frustrating at times because of that. But at the same time, it's a very effective mechanic and. It's done in a way where you know you can actually learn how to avoid the monsters based on what the what the tones sound like because they change in pitch depending on the direction as well.
0: That's very cool. So you get to use like a different kind of perception. Yeah. Oh, I like the sound of that. Did you have the patience to get all the way through it? I did actually. Oh, that's oh, great. Very
1: good. Was the ending uh, satisfying?
0: Uh, yeah.
2: Although. <laughs> Yeah the thing is like i mentioned it's pretty much a ripoff of alien and the story uh gets kind of ridiculous as it goes on Yeah that happens in japanese horror games <laughs> i find Yeah <laughs> the, 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 vo- japanese the voice acting games. and the storytelling isn't the best but there are some there are actually some pretty effective plot twists along the way as well Mhm Uh fuck what was i going to mention Oh yeah Uh, The thing is, you do actually have a way to defend yourself. You do have a gun, Hmm. but it's very limited because the way it works is if you want to fire off a shot, you first have to hold down the fire button to charge it up Hmm. and then release the fire button once it's fully charged. But if you hold it for too long, it'll overload and you'll waste your energy, basically.
3: Hmm.
2: And you have to charge up a shot all over again. So... Plus, it has very limited range, so if you want to shoot a monster, you have to get as close as you can, basically, without getting killed while you're charging up a shot long enough to be able to fire at it.
3: Hmm. Oh, that's pretty
1: uh, tense.
2: Yeah, like, you. Uh, if you manage to fire off a shot close enough to a monster, you will kill it in one hit, but it's it's a pretty tall order especially considering the limited amount of energy you have
1: uh do you regenerate energy
2: uh yeah you can uh, uh recharge your gun at certain points at the recharge station but obviously uh, when you're hobbling up and down the corridors in the uh, real time 3D sections it can get hard to uh get <clears throat> get to the safe points uh, without running into the monsters
0: yeah, sure. That's a pretty common theme, especially, I think, in, like, the uh, decrepit old space station horror kind of games. Yeah. All right. Do you, do you have one more that you'd like to quickly mention before we uh, call it a day? Um,
2: well, sure. Another... Uh, another game that I played not too long ago that really scared me was a game on a PSP called Corpse Party. That's a great name. Sounds another, charming. Yeah, it's another Japanese horror game. Oh, of it's, course. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind, of, uh, kind of a visual novel like Phoenix Wright, but played more like a top-down RPG where you're uh, controlling a character walking through a certain environment. Hmm. But it's very story driven It has a very interesting story where you have this bunch of kids who, uh, you know, are graduating from school. They're getting together at school one night and they perform this, uh, this good luck charm, basically, where they invoke the spirit of a girl named Sachiko who died a long time ago. But because of that, suddenly the floor crumbles beneath them and they wind up in this alternate dimension. Of
1: course. (laughs)
2: Which is a recreation of the school that their school was built upon. And it turns out that uh, a long time ago, something went horribly wrong there and all these students and uh, teachers died horribly and their spirits now roam through there and they try to kill you. Neo. And... It has some very, uh, yeah, it, it's very gory and unsettling in places. Because when you get caught by one of these goats, you get a very uh, elaborate description of exactly what they do to kill you. Like uh, one early on is where you encounter a bunch of kids where you know who have uh, like. Their, their eyes cut out or whatever, and they force you to swallow a pair of scissors and you basically cut out your own throat. <laughs>
0: huh. It's in uh, text description or does it give you uh, a <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 but like I said, there are some pretty gory scenes as well of uh, some of your fellow students getting uh, slaughtered at the hands of these ghosts.
0: <laughs> but look mm-hmm. at some of the screenshots in the art. It looks like really nice art.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like very, just... uh, the,
2: the, the characters are pretty sympathetic overall, and you don't want to see them get killed, and when they suddenly just get subjected to one of this such a horrible fate, it uh, really uh, unnerves you, especially with the voice acting. The voice acting is really good in this game.
0: Oh, is it uh, English?
2: Uh, no, it's the original Japanese, actually. All but, right. You know, it, 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 All the text is translated into English, but it works really well to convey, uh, you know, the helplessness of the characters uh, in this situation and the music as well. Really awesome soundtrack. Hmm. The game actually had a bunch of different sequels and spin offs after that. I haven't looked into them. But just the first game alone really got to me. Well,
0: it's interesting that uh, they can convey horror effectively on a portable uh, console.
2: yeah i actually joked about that uh back when i was first playing it like the advantage of playing a horror game on a portable system is that you can keep it at arm's length when something scary happens oh yeah right
0: you can flush it down the toilet you can take
1: it to bed with you and give yourself nightmares oh that's
0: true (laughs) and wrist strain Oh! Ah, all these screenshots are awesome. I keep flipping through like creepy monsters and zombies yeah. and stuff. It looks really cool.
1: It's all anime style. So the me, so they, and I know that they uh, often find uh, really good artists who have. Uh, mm. Oh, that's creepy! <laughs> an incredible talent for developing grotesque imagery that still uh, plays in well with the uh, with the theme.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, that. That's like um, Battle Royale. Oh yes, has amazing gore. If you're into that sort of a thing, not that's the a very uh, creepy not one, the
1: movie, but the uh, manga itself.
0: Yeah, the manga. The movie didn't have anything close to it. The manga was very explicit. You really empathize. Yeah, I can imagine, but yeah, but that's that's not really horror. Pretty cool. All right. Well, why don't we call it a day, and uh, if uh, you so desire, uh, we, we have lots of games to talk about, and maybe you've got more on your list, too. You're mu- much more than welcome anytime you like to come back and join us again.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, coming back on the show. Really good to talk to you again, Akrigo.
2: Oh, yeah. It's always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeb, yeah, kind of feel bad for uh, taking up all of your uh, time. You didn't get to talk uh, much of your yeah uh, choices but perhaps uh, next time then. i was about
0: to say the same to you with our long preamble actually so i think we all hopefully we all got a chance to say our piece oh yeah know. it's uh, it's fine it all evens out in the end i guess well oh, that's great so a few of the games on our list got mentioned anyway and what we've been playing and just in yeah the beginning anyway so we'll, we'll get there sure all right is there i'm gonna mention your uh, twitter and your youtube account is there anything else that you'd like to uh plug
2: Uh, not as such, really. Other than my YouTube channel, which I already mentioned, mm-hmm. just uh, I'm a year at AkaGo, same as ever. Uh, I still maintain my blog, akagoes100gameoath.wordpress.com, which I occasionally update with uh, news on games that I've been playing as of late. I think my last post on there was about oh yeah, Techno Babylon, actually. Oh, oh right. Yeah.
1: I know Brian played that a while ago. It had really nice graphics. Still in the old oh, school. Wow. All
2: Watched Eye games do.
1: But uh, mm. it's still very very good and had an interesting story.
2: Oh, I loved it. I did too. It was very, very good.
1: It was well done. Very
2: mature. Very mature, very funny, and uh, great puzzle design.
0: Lots of great death scenes too. Guy fall, falling on a car from <laughs> up on the roof or something. Uh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. Swing. Oh my yeah. Jacuzzi
0: full of blood, all this great stuff.
2: Yeah, game uh, game had some pretty uh Stomach churning scenes at times. Oh
0: yeah, the restaurant—that mm-hmm. <laughs> was the best part. <laughs> what a great game! I have really vivid memories of this game. That's the sign of a great game. Yes, it is. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah I haven't played it, and I—I'm uh, just going to wait for it to go on sale and add it to my collection.
0: Yeah, you—you play—you watched me somewhat closely while I played it.
1: Yeah, I helped you with the uh, seed bank scene.
0: Oh yeah, yeah,
2: that's right. Well, yeah. I definitely hope you'll enjoy it. I'm sure she will.
1: I enjoyed the Blackwell series, and I. Uh,
2: I still need to play those as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I
0: don't. And have, I, did I don't beta have them and I did unfortunately, do a beta test but the first I'll, I'll
2: definitely get around to them
0: sometime. Yeah. It's very good, yeah. the whole series. And shard lights. So I hear. Yeah. You know what? And shard lights, we're looking forward to. Of course. Yeah, we did. did yeah. We both helped Absolutely. beta test
1: it initially in the first beta release.
0: Yeah, you did the yeah the alpha test. You were much more conscientious about it than I was. I I, I only got an hour be- in.
1: Yeah, I did. Mo- I did a good time into the alpha test, and I haven't done it since. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but I'm looking forward to the finished one.
1: Hmm. Me too. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Akigo, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. As always, we're always so so happy to have you uh, join in and to interact with the show as well. Yeah. If you'd like to send us a note, um, or if you were uh, looking to uh, recommend the podcast to someone, you can get us on the web at squarefm.demodulated.com. And we're also on iTunes and a bunch of other services as well. Uh, By email, you can contact us, squarefm at demodulated.com. And on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. And so with that, we thank you all very, very much for joining us again and wish you a very, very nice week. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.